Gone back a little bit, Surah Fulkan, Surah number 25, verses number 43 and 44. Here, Allah is asking that if you've not seen that person who has taken their whims and fancies, their caprice as their own God and deity. So they take their own fancy for their God. Can you ever be a wakil for them? Can you ever be a guardian for them? Here, Allah SWT then asks, that, or do you think that most of them hear or understand indeed they are merely like cattle, animals, they are more errant in this way. So here Allah Ta'ala is describing the disbelievers that the real reason that they disbelieve is not because they really genuinely believe in those idols, not because they are passionate believers of those idols. The real reason they are disbelieving is because they are just following their own whims and fancies. It means then that the real reality behind idolatry and shirk is actually also nafs parasti. They are also just worshipping their own nafs. So again, means in some sense that all kufr actually just comes down to worshipping one's own nafs. So whether a person is an atheist or an agnostic or an idol worshipper or idolater, all of that is because they are actually just infatuated with their own desires their own concepts, their own ideas, their own way of thinking, they're following their own hawa. And again, as we mentioned over and over again, we as mu'mineen never want to have any one of the attributes that Allah Ta'ala mentions that are the attributes of the kafirin. So it means that we also should not be people who follow our own desires and follow our own whims, that whatever concept appeals to us, no. And many, unfortunately, increasingly, many number of people take that attitude towards deen of Islam. What makes sense to them, they equate that with deen. What understanding or interpretation is what is already in their women fancy, they view that to be deen. So actually, they would then be addressed with the same ayah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Quran, that you not see that person who has made their own women's fancies, ideologies, concepts, views, their own view, they've made that their God. Then why does Allah subhanahu wa liken them to animal or cattle? The reason is that because animal, one reason is that because cattle cannot, they listen but they don't comprehend. So animals have sense of hearing but they cannot comprehend sensible speech. So just like that, these people can hear but they can't comprehend the meaning of Qur'an al-Karim. Second way they're linked to animals is that animals are not bound. Why are they worse than animals? Because the animals were not bound to hear and understand anything. They're not mukallaf. The animals are not responsible for accepting deen. But if a human being doesn't do that, then that human being is even more astray. Sayyidina Rasulullah mentioned in one hadith that I fear that most of my ummah will follow their own whims using the same word in this ayah and will entertain long hopes to the amal, causing them to forget the akhirah. So what does it mean? That they'll chase this world, their old fancies, pleasures, attractions of this world. And to the amal means that they will think that they live forever. They will engage in such long-term future planning, 
about this world that they will forget their long-term future in the Akhirah. Verses number 45 onwards, we recited this to you yesterday. In verse 45, Allah Sponto says that don't they see how your Rabb has extended the shadow and shade? If Allah Ta'ala willed, He could have made it stand still, be stationary. Then Allah Ta'ala said, We have made the sun a guide to it. So, what is Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala saying here? First, as we mentioned yesterday, when the sun rises and then hits the Zawal apex and then sets, the shade extends and then narrows and then again extends again. This is to show that there's benefits in both of these things, sunlight and shade. So not only has Allah Ta'ala made alternated night and day, darkness and light, but even in the daytime, Allah Ta'ala has alternated shade and sunlight, and by having the earth orbit rotate around its axis, then all different parts of the earth get shade, and all different parts of the earth get sunlight, depending on whether it's before Zawal, and whether that part of the earth is on the east or west of that place. So it means that Allah Subhanahu Wa another one of Allah Subhanahu Wa signs, if Allah Ta'ala willed, He could have made it stationary, means that you could have had sunlight without moving shadow and shade. But then Allah Ta'ala says, we made a sun as a guide to it, means that as it rotates on its axis and faces the sun, the sun will guide the shadow, whether to extend or contract, as the case may be. Then Allah Ta'ala says, then we gradually withdraw the shadow to ourselves, what does that mean? That doesn't mean literally that Allah Ta'ala called the shadow to him because Allah Ta'ala doesn't have any physical direction. It means that Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala is instilled a system of cause and effect. Ourself, he means our hukam. And we have drawn the shadow and the shade to follow our hukam. And the whole purpose of this passage and all these other passages about night and day, etc. is that Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala is showing that Allah Ta'ala has made this incredible system in the universe of cause and effect. Every single thing is based on cause and effect. What does that mean? And then we should realize ultimately that the entire universe has a primordial cause, primary cause. What caused the universe to exist? What caused these laws to come into place? That is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He is the ultimate primary cause of every single thing. Then here in verse number where Allah subhanahu wa mentioned night and day, verse 47, we had mentioned this to you yesterday as well, that night is a garment and day is a form of rest. In another ayah of Qur'an al-Kareem, in Surah Qasas, which is Surah number 28, verse number 73, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And out of Allah ta'ala's mercy, He has made the night and the day for you, so that you may rest in it, yani the night, and so that you may search for his bounty and grace yani in the day and that so you may be grateful you may be obedient you may remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala this is why Nabiya Kareem sallallahu you remember that one of his du'as also has to do with passing to sleep going to sleep in the night and then waking up in the day in fact the Prophet used to say that sleep is the sister of death sleep is a likeness of death and this is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Quran in verse 47 used this word وَجَعَلًا نَهَارًا نَشُورًا Just like after death a person will wake up Nashur means spread out Again everyone will spread out again on the day of judgment Just like that when a person sleeps and they wake up In the daytime they have spread out The sunnah du'as that the Prophet made 
before sleeping, Allahumma bismika amutu wa ahya. That Allah Ta'ala in your name literally means I die and I come to life. So this is what means that sleep is akin to death, right? And when the Prophet wants to wake up, Alhamdulillah, ahyana ma'adama amatana wa alayhin nushur. The same word used here again in the ayah nushur. Praise be to Allah Subhanahu who caused us to die, i.e., let us sleep. And then revived us after that, i.e. woke us up, and to Allah Ta'ala will be our ultimate return. Then Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala here in verse 50, when after Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala was mentioning the rainwater, Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala said, That indeed we have distributed rainwater between them, so that they may take heed, they may be mindful. But most people disdain Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they deny this. Fa'aba akhtarun nas, the majority of the people will disdain and deny illa kufura, and they will be in nothing, they will accept nothing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The only thing they will manage to do is be ungrateful and denying of Him. So, this vast majority of people, what does it mean? That even though Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made these clear signs, the vast majority of people. And eat, they eat and drink from what Allah Ta'ala has provided them. They enjoy the day and the night. They enjoy the shade and the sunlight. They enjoy everything that the rain from the sky offers them. But still they remain denying and ungrateful to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. And the last part of this passage that we also did yesterday again was that if we have, Allah Ta'ala says that in verse 51, that if we will, we could have sent a warner to every single village. You need to every single community, to every single township, to every single people. Here is that Allah subhanahu wa we mentioned to you, that Allah blessed the Nabiya Kareem Salam bi Khatam al and the final Nabi to all of humanity. And no matter how much the disbelievers oppose the Prophet he has counseled in verse 52, that do not do ita, do not follow the unbelievers, but instead wage a mighty struggle against their kufr and against their opposition towards you. Now the new passages for today, verses 53 and onwards. وَهُوَ الَّذِي مَرَجَ الْبَحْرَيْنِ هَذَا That indeed Allah Subhanahu is that being who is, He is the one who has merged the two waters. One is fresh and sweet and the other is salty and bitter. And that Allah Ta'ala has placed between them a gap or a barrier, uh, a gap between them that acts as a separating barrier. What is this referring to? This is yet again another sign of Allah SWT. Allah mentions this sign again in Surah Rahman. This different commentators have suggested this could be in different places of the world. One place that is sure that Alhamdulillah I've seen with my own eyes is off the tip of Cape Town in South Africa where the Atlantic Ocean and the Pacific Ocean merge. But they don't merge, so rather they meet and that may be better me to say this Manaj al-Bahrain that Allah subhanahu causes them to meet and in fact not merge He has loosed them onto one another so they merge in the sense that Allah Ta'ala has allowed them to flow into one another but Allah Ta'ala has placed a barrier there and uh, one of the grandchildren of Jacques Cousteau who used to go to our school and they also mentioned that Jacques Cousteau was this famous ocean explorer and that he was amazed by this eye of Quran when he saw the same incident because you can see clearly if you stand at that tip at Cape Town where Alhamdulillah our Shaykh and us were honored to go with him and we saw clearly different colors of water one was more greenish, one was more bluish and it was so clear you could see almost like a border 
and there's nothing scientifically to stop the water from merging into one another. Khair scientists have tried on their own to try to hypothesize as to why this phenomenon happens, right? But they haven't been able to move beyond the level of hypothesis. This is also a sign of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. many other people have claimed that they have seen such a thing in other parts of the world as well. Another way a person can also interpret this is that sweet, fresh and sweet water can never ever turn salty and bitter. So like you have in streams, fresh water, in oceans you have salty water. It can never happen that the water of the ocean becomes fresh and sweet. It can never happen that the water of streams and springs becomes salty and bitter. Allah Ta'ala has decreed two different types of water. Then in verse 54 Allah Ta'ala mentions another sign that Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala is that being who has created human beings and who has made for them relatives and relations of blood and by marriage Indeed, and indeed, your Rabb is ever and always powerful, is omnipotent. What does this mean that Allah SWT has blessed us with our own families? And also, Allah Ta'ala has multiplied the concept of family through marriage. That once a person gets married, then they gain another family. And Allah SWT has put love between families. And then they continue to grow and expand and further marry onward into multiple branches of that family and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned this is, is all of these signs that were mentioned above right uh, are all a signs of the incredible power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and therefore it befits humanity to obey and worship that powerful rub verses 55 onwards but instead of doing so what do they do min dunillahi but instead they worship instead of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala what do they worship? That which can neither benefit them nor harm them. And in fact, the unbeliever is a zahir, is an ally opposed to their rub. Normally, the word zahira means an ally and friend. That's why nobody should panic if any woman in their family's name is zahira. And then Allah has used this word in a negative way. So actually, zahira with the word Allah. Allah Rabbihi, that instead of being an ally to, it means they become an adversary against. So the word, you, a person can be Zahira, she can be Zahira to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, means she is an ally for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But here this is what it means, that the disbeliever is ever opposed, always an adversary, always an ally against their love. Then to the Prophet Indeed we have sent you Nabi Akrim Sasam only as a bearer of good news and glad tidings and as a warner of for those who fail to believe. Oh, and you should proclaim to them Ma Asalakum Alehimin that I do not ask any one of you for any reward, any remuneration but except all I want is whomsoever that person who wants to take and adopt the path of deen towards their Rabb. There is I don't ask any money from you, I just want you to take this path that leads towards Allah Subhanahu This comes to although I haven't explained this before, this comes to the concept of remote taking reward and compens- compensation. So it is sunnah of Nabi Akram to not ask for any money, to not charge any money for anything. That said, later on the ulama did issue a ruling that for those who are appointed, let's say, as imam of a masjid or mu'adhan of a masjid or qadi of an Islamic court or mudarris or professor at an Islamic institute of learning at a madrasa, they are allowed to, it is allowed in deen to stipulate fixed salaries for them because they are dedicating their full-time commitment to the deen. 
However, it remains the sunnah of Sayyidina Rasulullah a higher way is that if a person can find some other ways to support themselves, then they should not ask in other charge fees or accept a stipulated salary. That said, although Nabi Akram did not ask people for money, one way that the Sahaba Akram did support him was through hadiyah, that they would, obviously the Prophet was not entitled to take zakat from people, but he was supported through hadiyah, through personal gifts or personal donations. So that is the sunnah, Nabawi model uh, to follow. And then the more and more a person follows that, this is the teaching of our Mashaikh, that the more and more a person selflessly gives themselves up to Dawud of Deen, then what do they get? So they get sabila. then they will get those people who wish to follow a path and a sabil to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَتَوَكَّلْ عَلَى الْحَيِّ الَّذِي لَا يَمُوتِ And you should have trust and reliance in Al-Hayyu This is one of the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala The ever-living, the always-living, the being of life itself Who can never die, la yamut وَسَمْبِحْ بِحَمْدِهِ And then you should celebrate and glorify the praise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala وَكَفَى بِهِ بِذُنُوبِ عِبَادِهِ خَبِيرًا And indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is sufficiently aware of all of the dhanub and sins of his ibad, of his servants and slaves. This means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows each and everything. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will punish people according to their sins because he knows each and everything that they do. But still Allah Ta'ala is telling the Prophet here initially to glorify so it means that even the Anbiya had to do the Tasbih of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala so that means that even us we should always do the Tasbih of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala and Allah Ta'ala knows best who are the sinners and He will deal with them accordingly. Another thing about Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala verse 15 Allah Subhanahu Wa is that being who created the heavens and the earth and all that is between them in six days and then Allah Ta'ala settled himself on the mantle and mansab of the throne. Al-Rahman fas'al bihi khabira. Al-Rahman, if you want to know about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who he is, then fas'al bihi khabira. Then ask one who is deeply aware and informed about the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What does it mean that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the heaven and the earth in six days? This is something that we did for you last year. In Surah Anam, Surah 7, verse 54, very briefly, in that there's a long discussion because Allah has mentioned different time periods in Quran. Simply speaking, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose to make creation inside of time and space. So, first, He created time and linear time that progresses in a linear fashion. Then, He erupted creation into space from His initial command, you can call that the Big Bang. And then as that creation formed and coalesced, it was subjugated in time, so it took place over time. Allah Ta'ala in different places in Quran refers to that time process in different ways. Here, ayam doesn't mean earth day, does not mean six 24-hour period, it means six time intervals, six stages of time. And Allah Ta'ala knows best what that is, right? Then once all the creation was settled inside time and space, then istiwa al-arsh means then, remember thumma came for a process afterwards. Istiwa al-arsh means that Allah subhanahu took up the mantle on his throne, which means the mantle of governing and decreeing over that creation. So 
So he took up his dominion and sovereignty over the creation once the creation was created. It doesn't mean that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a physical body and is sitting on some type of physical chair that is called the throne. Right? And the early Mufassirun used to say that the deep detail of what this means, what this, what this means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is on his arsh, the mustawa al-arsh, is something that Allah ta'ala alone knows. So once a person asked Imam Malik ta'ala, that what does this mean? And Imam Malik ta'ala, he started sweating when he started thinking of the meaning of this verse. And then he said in the most famous sentence of his, that the meaning of the word is known. We know what the word istiwa means in Arabic. It has a dictionary meaning. Its interpretation, however, is beyond understanding. What does it mean? What does this word mean when it is applied to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Then second thing, he said, belief in it is compulsory. That we must believe that Allah has mustubi al-arsh, that he has settled and established himself on this throne. But questioning it is, is, is a bidah, trying to ask and inquire about its details is in an innovation. What does it mean that the Sahabi Karam believed it this way without necessarily getting into the deep details behind what it means that Allah Ta'ala settled himself on the arsh? But I've given you one way to understand that. Then Allah Subhanahu says in verse 60 that, uh, وَإِذَا لِلرَّحْمَانِ that when they are told to make sajda to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or merciful Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wa mar rahman they ask that what is ar-Rahman so it means that this is the ultimate level of kufr that they not only can they not recognize Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala they cannot recognize His mercy they cannot recognize ar-Rahman they cannot recognize all merciful Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala they've put themselves so deep into whatever they believe that they cannot even comprehend the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala therefore they don't present themselves to it so then they ask that should we do sajda to that which you command no what happens was zadahum nufura that actually only their hatred and despite and spite increases their hatred for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Another way you can translate nafur is their flight increases. They only go further and further away from Allah subhanahu wa Their nafra, their aversion, that would be the best way to com- English that combines these two words of flight and spite, their aversion. They become even more averse to Allah subhanahu wa Who is that Allah ta'ala? Again, that blessed is that Allah subhanahu wa the one who put constellations of stars into the sky, which may appear like gigantic stars or constellations in the sky, and then he placed the sun in it, and then Allah subhanahu wa placed a moon in it. It is Allah Subhanahu who has anointed the night and the day in succession. Allah Subhanahu has made the night and the day alternate, and all of these are signs. Liman arada for that person who wishes to take heed, who wishes to be mindful, who wishes to remember. Wa arada shukura, and for that person who intends to be grateful and obedient to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Verse 63 onwards, and now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to mention wa ibadul Rahman. So one is those people who don't even know who Ar Rahman is, who ask who is Ar Rahman? Do you ask us to do Sajat Rahman? And there's another type of people, so another definition of Mu'mineen, wa ibadul Rahman, they are the devoted devotees, the devout servant and slaves, the worshipful servants, Ibad to Ar Rahman, to all merciful Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And now here Allah Ta'ala is going to mention 12 attributes of Ibadur Rahman. 
So now you had several attributes of Mu'maneen that came in Surah Mu'munun. Now will come 12 attributes. Who are those people who become Ibad of Rahman? This also, just this construct makes it clear, a crystal clear answer in Quran to secular folly, that Allah Ta'ala is all merciful, He will forgive me and I don't need to worship Him. No. Ibad of Rahman. Allah Ta'ala being on Rahman means that a person will become his Ibad. So Allah Ta'ala's being all merciful does not in any way preclude our being worshipful or obedient or slave to him. In fact, we are the slaves of Rahman. His being merciful just increases us in wanting to be a slave, increases us in our desire to do Ibad and worship. That philosophy that suggests that because Allah Ta'ala is Ar-Rahman, you don't know, need to be an Abd, you don't need to be a slave, you don't need to be an Abd, you don't need to worship, that is folly, that is against Qur'an, that is falsehood. But Ibad Ar-Rahman, so those who are the Ibad of Ar-Rahman, of Almighty, All-Merciful, Allah SWT, what are their signs? So number one, Alladheena yamshuna al-ardi hawna, that they are the ones who number one, they walk on the earth in humility. Again you saw what was the first sign of Surah Mu'minun that they're humble in their salah. And now these Ibad rahman once they progress from Mu'minun to become Ibad rahman not only are they humble in their salah, they're humble in everywhere they go. They walk this earth, they live their life on earth, they tread the earth in a state of humility. So remember this is an incredible honor of Allah SWT, right? To be Allah from His Ibad. This is the greatest honor that a person can have. But they are humbled by that honor. And even Sayyidina Rasulullah is a perfect example of these two things. He would refer to himself as an abd. Allah Ta'ala many times in Quran refers to him as his abd. He was the greatest of the Ibad rahman And he was also the most humble on earth of the Ibad rahman So what does it mean? That even as their Ibadah and Ubudiyah goes up, even the more and more they worship, the more and more they submit and are a slave, it just increases them in their humility, the more and more they are humbled in front of Allah SWT. Second sign. وَإِذَا خَاطَبَهُمُ الْجَاهِلُونَ قَالُوا سَلَامًا And when the ignorant address them, they say salam, they say peace. And we had done this earlier, similar thing earlier in... Oh, we had done this earlier recently. Right? What does it mean when somebody tries to engage them? Because what is Allah Ta'ala showing you in Quran? Watch this carefully. That those who want to follow the path to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala are ibad of Ar-Rahman and are even humble sabse zyada chir kufar ko unhi lo ke Yes? The disbelievers and secular progressives they hate precisely those Muslims. And they're going to try to engage them and debate them and chastise them and mock them and be cynical to them and try to draw them out into a debate. Yes, secular atheism is like designed as if somebody looked in Quran at the attributes of unbelievers and tried to create within the Muslims people who think like that. So the, what will the true Ibad rahman do? They won't engage him in that debate. They will refuse to get... Pro, the provocation will not provoke them. The instigation will not instigate them. They will not be incited. They will not flare up. They will not react. They will simply say salam. That we are on a path of peace and we wish you to be on peace as well. That's the best we can say to you. Right? That's the second sign. Third sign. Maladina. Um, yeah, third sign. وَالَّذِينَ يَبِيتُونَ لِرَبِّهِمْ سُجَّدًا وَقِيَامًا 
Third sign is that they are the people, Ibad Rahman, who yabitoona lirabbihum, means they spend the night, and literally means they spend the night all night long, doing what? Doing sajda, making sajda to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and qiyaman, standing in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is referring to their salah, that they are making extensive salah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned also in uh, Surah Dhariyat, Surah 51, verses 15 to 18, but specifically 17 and 18, that That they are people who sleep but little of the night. They would keep their sides on their beds, means they would sleep only a little of the night. So they would be up most of the night. And what would they do after this all night of worship? After this night long worship, they would actually ask at the time of suhoor, istighfar for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's what's coming in the fourth sign, right? It's amazing to spend the whole night in worship. People spend the whole night in sin and don't ask Allah ta'ala for forgiveness. These people spend the whole night in worship and they ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for forgiveness. So this is a sign of Ibadah Rahman. So that yes, they are people of Ibadah. And they love to do Ibadah. And they do Ibadah half the night, two-thirds of the night, most of the night. And after that, again, they don't feel at all in any sense that they retain something. They retain their humility. So let's see now in verse 65. How do they ask for forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? These Ibadah Rahman, وَالَّذِينَ yukuluna, And these are du'as that we should remember. So the Ibadah Rahman are those people who say, رَبَّنَا صْرِفْ أَنَّ أَذَابَ جَهَنَّمْ That, O oh, our Rabb, deflect from us and avert from us the punishment and torment of Jahannam. إِنَّ أَذَابَهَا كَانَ غَرَامًا That indeed the adab, the punishment of that Jahannam, is gharama, is devastating, unrelenting. إِنَّهَا سَاءَتْ And indeed that place of Jahannam is wretched. Sa'at means it is wretched, mustaqarro. It is a wretched residence and a dwelling place, mumuqama, an abode and place to reside. This is the dua they make, right? Can you imagine Ibadah Rahman, they're worried of entering Jahannam. So this is a teaching in Allah Ta'ala, teaching us in Qur'an Al-Kareem, that no matter how much Ibadah a person does, no matter how much Abdiyat or Ubudiyah a person has, they should still always fear Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. And their attribute is such that they still fear and seek the refuge of Allah, seek refuge to Allah Ta'ala from His punishment. The fifth sign. Verse number 67 إِذَا أَنْفَقُوا And there the Ibadah Rahman are those people that when they spend لَمْ يُسْرِفُوا They are not extravagant in that spending وَلَمْ يَكْتُرُوا Nor are they stingy in that spending وَكَانَ بَيْنَ ذَلَكَ قَوَامَ But between they remain قوام It means that they remain rightly established and steadfast between these two Alright, so this is now maybe one place where you could now properly use the word moderation in the of Islam, right? You don't want to have a moderate amount of iman, you don't want moderate haya, but here what Allah SWT is talking about is that a person can be moderate in charity, right? That they don't give each and every single thing that they have, right? And nor are there stable. There are two ways that you can take this. First, spending can mean when they spend on themselves, Right? First meaning is when they spend on themselves. 
So when they spend on themselves, they're neither extravagant, they don't do things for show, they have allowed themselves a reasonable comfort and enjoyment, but they're not extravagant. At the same time, when they spend on themselves, they're not stingy. This is another problem that some people have, or some people's family members have, right? So when they spend on themselves, they're not stingy. Why? Because Nabi Karim Sallallahu said in the hadith that Allah Ta'ala wishes to see you enjoy the ni'mas, the bounties and blessings that He has bestowed upon you. Right? Second meaning can be in terms of their spending and charity. Spending and charity is neither extravagant. They don't on a surge give everything away and then now they're not able to support their family. They're not able to fulfill their hukukul ibad. So remember now Sayyidina Abu Bakr al-Siddiq was an exception. Right? And if somebody is like him and has that same level of tawakkul and his family has that same level of absolute reliance, I'm referring to Anasim. Well, if you remember in the battle prior to the battle of Tabuk, Nabi Karim Sallallahu Alaihi raised funds and Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq gave everything. And then the Prophet asked him that, what have you kept for yourself? And he said, I kept for myself Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Rasulullah That is all that I've kept. Now that is if somebody has that level, right? Another thing to show you, right? A literalist would make a terrible accusation here. The Sayyidina Abu Bakr doesn't follow Qur'an. <laughs> because in Qur'an Allah Ta'ala said that don't spend in charity extravagantly. And he gave everything. Al-Aman al-Hafiz. This is why you have to understand, you cannot understand deen from just one verse or one ayah plus your akal. Your akal will lead to dastardly conclusions. Right? So, yes, this is the norm Allah Ta'ala is saying. This is the norm of Ibadur Rahman. Right? That their range is like that. But every now and then Allah Ta'ala may endow a person to do something incredibly amazing. And those are really the Siddiqin. Right? And so Sayyidina Abu Bakr was Imam al-Siddiqin. So he uh, was able to actually spend everything. But like I said, that's all if you take it in the second sense, that it means spend in charity. The first sense in any case was that they spend on themselves. They spend from the bounties of Allah Subhanahu that Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala has given them. That was sign number five. Sign number six. And number six sign is that they do not call, they do not make dua to Allah Ta'ala, they do not make dua to anyone else. Now, obviously, one would say that, well, obviously they're not going to do that, right? They're just people who are praying, well, that's mushrikeen. So what does it mean? Yes, it means that they don't do shirk. But here is also a nafi of shirk khafi that they don't call for support and hope any even power in this world other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Obviously they're not idolaters, they're Ibadur Rahman, they're Mu'mineen. So which Mu'mineen are Ibadur Rahman, the ones who don't call on anyone else? And this also is an ashara, right? That even though they love Sayyidina Rasulullah wasallam, they won't pray to him, they will only make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Even though they love the Mufassirin, Muhaddisin, Fuqaha, Mashaikh, Awliya, they won't make dua to them, they will only make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because they're ibad of Ar-Rahman. They're not ibad of anybody else. Right? So this is a sign that this is also referring to that. Okay? So this is the sixth sign of ibad Ar-Rahman. Seventh sign of Ibadur Rahman وَلَا يَقْتُلُونَ النَّفْسَ الَّتِي حَلَّمَ اللَّهُ إِلَّا بِالْحَقِّ They do not kill that soul or they do not kill any being that has been made forbidden حَلَّمَ اللَّهُ that Allah Ta'ala has forbidden it, made it off limits except بِالْحَقِّ except with just cause and warrant from the deen, from Sharia which means they can never ever imagine taking a life now what is that just cause? Well for example in the deen of Islam if somebody commits murder 
there are certain cases in which capital punishment may be the punishment for that crime. So that means that other than those few cases in which the Sharia itself legislates it, bilhaq, they will never ever take anyone's life, right? And you may be amazed at how many mu'minin today are even guilty of this murder. And how many elites are guilty of murder by proxy, right? How many people may not directly kill someone, but they may order someone to be killed, they may want someone to be killed, they may allow non-Muslim armies to kill mu'minin, right? They may be facilitating murder, they may be aiding and abetting murder, right? They may allow their airspace to be used for murder. So there are many ways in which people allow and will be found guilty of the act of murder. Right. Next sign, number seventh sign. Wala yaznuna, and they don't do zina. This is a sign of ibadu rahman. What does it mean that our ibadah and ubudiyah can save us from these things? The more and more ibadah a person does, and the more and more they're an ab, they submit and slave to Allah subhanahu wa taala, they get saved from these things. And if they're a mu'min but they're lacking in their ibadah or they're lacking in their submission, they may end up in these things. Right? So this is another one of their signs. <coughs> so whosoever does that will be faced with a punishment. Now this dhalaka could be referring to all the things that have come before. Right? All the things. All these three things in this verse means that those who call to a god other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, those who kill a life that Allah is not allowed, and those who do zina. Or can be referring just to the most recent one, that those who do zina. Right? Uh, either way, they shall meet with a grave punishment. This is an ishara that if a mu'min does one of these three things, this is an ayah that is going to talk about the punishment for a mu'min. Right? That if a mu'min does one of these three things, they will have to face the punishment in the fire of Jahannam. And then the punishment shall be uh, magnified and multiplied and doubled for them. Yudha'afullahu. Their punishment, lahul adabu yawm al qiyamati. Their punishment will be doubled on the day of judgment. Why? Well, one reason is that they did these sins while having iman. They were a mu'min and they did this. They were a mu'min and they did a type of shirk. They were a mu'min and they engaged in qatl. They were a mu'min and they did zina. So they will have double punishment for that on the day of judgment. Now literally it means that they will remain in that state, right? Now khuld is something that I have explained and you know some of the translators mistranslated at times as forever. I cannot see. Yes, forever. You should not say forever here. Khuld means when it's used for the kuffar and mushrikeen forever. When it's used for mu'mineen, it means a very long time they will dwell therein and abide therein for a long period of time. But it doesn't mean forever. And that's why sometimes Allah makes it clear. He adds the word khalidina fiha abada. Abada is the word that means forever. Khud means to indwell and to dwell therein. So they will dwell therein. Mohana means abased. Abased and disgraced. Alright? So means any mu'min who does these three things fails to be Abad Rahman by either doing shirk, calling on people, making dua, whether they're making dua to anything other than Allah subhanahu wa even if it's unbeyond awliya, they make dua to Ghairullah, or they're doing qatl of a nafs, or, and they're, or aiding and abetting and assisting that and facilitating that in any way, or they do zina, or aid and abet and assist that in any way. Right? 
then their punishment will be doubled on the day of judgment and they will be in Jahannam for a long period of time and they will be abased in love. Except for that mu'min. Even if they did that shirk, even if they did that qatl, even if they did that zina, they will be saved from any and all punishment, let alone the double punishment in the akhirah. Who will that person be? Man taba wa amana wa amila salihah. That person who makes Tawbah. They make true Tawbah. That's why you should be very certain that once a person makes Tawbah to Allah SWT, true Tawbah, and then they take Iman again, and they prove that they're true in Tawbah, not just by leaving sins, but they do the righteous acts. They do all of those things that Mu'minun and Nabal Rahman do. They become a person of Salah, a person of Psalm, a person of Zakah, a person of Haya, a person of Sunnah, a person of Taqwa. When they do all of that, then they won't get any of that punishment. And what does Allah Taala say about such people? For Ulaika Yubadilullahu Sayyatihim Hasanat. And then their tawbah becomes so complete that Allah Ta'ala will change and convert their sins into good deeds. Allah Ta'ala will change and convert their sins into good deeds. And what does that mean? That means in that case, right, that even if he or she had done a sin publicly and now they've made tawbah from it, but people are continuing, right? to remember their public act of sin, even be invited to sin by something they did, then all of that will be even more hasanat for them. I'll give you an example. Let's say there's somebody who made tawbah, a musician who made tawbah from music, right? And if he made true tawbah from this, then he won't, in the sense that we described, so he won't get any sin on the Day of Judgment. But let's say there are people who even after he made tawbah still listen to his songs, and still, let's say in his songs, had romantic lyrics, and incited a person to shahwa, right? Incited a person to lust. Now this person has made toba because of the world wide web and internet. The songs are still there. So a person still listens to the song and that person feels shahwat and actually does a sin. Now, or if the person hadn't made toba, then that sin would have been ascribed to the musician. Because because of your song, the people were incited to do shahwa. But now that he's done toba, everything that would have been ascribed to him as sin would now be ascribed to him as hasanat. Allah Akbar. That's the mercy of Allah Taala. That's how much Allah Taala accepts that person's toba, right? And I remember once that Jain Jamshed, our remote acquaintance, but from our heart, our dear friend. Once he was giving a talk and he recited this and he said that I have only hope due to this one ayah that I did so many things in my life and those things are out there <laughs> and I cannot delete every picture of mine and every video of mine and every song of mine from the web or the memory of people. And even though I've made toba, people may still even look at certain things or remember certain things, right? But this ayah gives me hope that Allah Ta'ala will change my sins into good deeds. Alright? This is the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? Look at the major sins, qatl and zina and shirk. I mean, what more could the three big sins were mentioned in 68? And yes, for the person who doesn't do tawbah, a big punishment mentioned for them in 69. But for the person who wants to have done those three big sins and wants to get out of that big punishment in 69, they have to make the big tawbah mentioned in 70. It's a big tawbah also. Don't think it's just one tear or one dua. It's a big tawbah. 
It's a big Tawbah. It's a lifetime of Tawbah. Tawbah, Iman, A'mal, Salih, Istiqamah on that. And never returning to that sin. And that's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions here again. فَإِنَّهُ يَتُوبُ إِلَى اللَّهِ مَتَابَ And indeed they have turned to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in, in their ever repentant and in sincere earnestness. So it means they have to really remain steadfast on that Tawbah. They never ever return back and never indulge back in that sin. Now some hadith say that Rasulullah has mentioned uh, with this. Number one, that Sayyidina Amr bin As has a very long hadith. Which is, I mean, this is a, has a very long hadith in the Sahih Muslim Kitab al-Iman. And that is this notion that also when a person enters Islam, right, I just mentioned that one thing to you, that Sayyidina Amr bin As, when he wanted to accept Iman, so first the Biyakism took his hand, stretched out his hand, so he would take Bayat al-Iman. And then Amr bin As, he held his hand back. And the Prophet said, what happened? He said, no, I want to accept, become a Muslim on one condition, that all of my sins will become forgiven. And Sayyidina Rasulullah told them, aren't you aware that Islam have, that Islam wipes out and erases all of the previous deeds? And doing hijrah for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Also, Ama alimta anna al-Islam yahdimu ma kana kablahu. That do you not know that Islam erases what has come before it? Wa anna al-hijrata tahdimu ma kana kablaha. And that when you migrate for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when you go from one place to another place for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it also erases everything that came before it. Wa anna al-hajja yahdimu ma kana kablahu. And offering the hajj and the pilgrimage is also something that erases all the sins that came before it. This is why when a person, if they were guilty of any one of these three big sins, shirk, qatl, or zina, or aiding and abetting any of these things, and they make the true tawbah, they should also try to go on hajj. And even if they did a farad hajj earlier when they weren't maybe so practicing, they should go for a nafil hajj for this niyyah, that that the hajj erases everything that has gone before. And hajj is like the itmam or the completion of that person's tawbah. Then another day, Sayyidina Rasulullah Sayyidina Abu Dhar Sayyidina Rasulullah said that on the Day of Judgment, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will command that the minor sins of a person, first his sagayr are presented in front of him. And then, while keeping the major sins aside for a moment, so then Allah ta'ala will ask the servant and slave, one by one, that if he committed these sins, and each one he will be asked, did you do this sin? He will say yes, or she will say yes, did you do this? He, she will say yes. And then he will start to get tremendous fear that these are just the sagayr. What, what in the world is going to happen to me when the kabayr come? But this is, the, this is that person who made tawbah. The ta'ib will be called like this. Then before bringing his kabayr, Allah Ta'ala will change all of his small sins into good deeds. And then command that all of his sins are committed to good deeds. Such that then the person will say to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that Allah ta'ala, there are even more sins I did that I don't see over here. Because <laughs> he will see that all of his sins are getting converted to good deeds, that there are even more sins than I did. And Sayyidina Abu Dhar when Sayyidina Rasulullah said this part, he smiled so widely that you could see his teeth. 
And in the Vizan got so happy saying this part of the Hadith that the Ta'ib, Mu'min Ta'ib will say that Allah Ta'ala did even more sins than I did convert them also into good deeds. So the Apostle smiled widely. So this is the incredible mercy of Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala that will fall on that person who does true Tawbah. Right? So you should never worry sometimes in this world when a person tries to make true Tawbah there are other naysayers around you oh you haven't really changed or you, this is just a phase you're going through or you look at all the things you did you really think Allah is going to forgive you for that or you really think you're strong enough to stay away from that you should be strong and yes Allah Ta'ala's mercy is strongest and Allah Ta'ala can and will forgive us for each and every single thing that we do if we make true Tawbah to Him for each and every single thing that we do so this is also another sifat of the Ibadur Rahman. So that would have been their quality number nine, that they make Tawbah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is, they become Ibadur Rahman through this process of Tawbah. They can get this great rank. Even the grievous sinners can become Ibadur Rahman through this process of Tawbah. Verse 72, so the ninth, uh, the, now the tenth sign is, yashhadunas. La yishadun zura. Yeah, that's the ninth sign. Okay, they are those who don't engage in acts of deceit. Now, what does this mean? Different commentators have mentioned different things. One is that it refers to testimony. So, number one, that they don't testify to falsehood. They don't engage in false testimony because false testimony is deadly. That's incriminating, right? And you falsely incriminate someone. That's a person who's innocent. And this is. Uh, in Hadith of Abu Dawood, Nabi Akram once uh, recited uh, another verse that uses this word and suggested that this referred to false testimony. Other commentators have said that, that the Ibadur Rahman don't engage in acts of deceit. Acts of deceit means acts that betray their Iman, betray their being Ibadur Rahman. What does it mean? It means that they don't actually sin. But they do something that betrays their Imam. So an example of this is that they remain present at gatherings of sin. So they don't drink, but they still allow themselves to go to gatherings in which alcohol is served. That's an act of deceit. They're an Abdul Rahman. They have no place being there. They're deceiving themselves and they're deceiving others by letting themselves be present there. And so this is a very important thing in our deen. That even if you don't sin... You should not go to a gathering or event or function, whether it's singing, dancing, music, whether it's mingling, whining, dining, that takes place. Right? You shouldn't go there. And you shouldn't think that it's okay, may apna hijab pen kirtilajangi, or you think that okay, tell me apna tasbihat melekirtilajanga. Right? You shouldn't you should you must abstain from these gatherings. You must show you must show that these gatherings are not acceptable in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa You do not, the Ibadur Rahman would not want to be at a place where Allah's anger falls. Right? And this is a big problem because in this elite segment of society, so many of the functions and gatherings, and especially weddings, are infested with such practices that are unacceptable to Allah subhanahu wa Gross violations of hijab, gross violations of intermingling, even you have people who are otherwise civilized people getting up and dancing with one another's wives and one another's daughters, right? And then they and they try to present this, you know, corrupt secular philosophy as mechanuksana. What's the harm in this? Yes, you're not harming any other human on earth, but you've harmed your spirituality. You've harmed your taqwa. 
You're harming your heart. You're insulting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His deen by disobeying Him in such an open, flagrant, unabashed, unashamed way. Right? And so you really we should stay away, far away from such gatherings. Exception is okay if it's your immediate family member. If it's your own brother or own sister's wedding, then I can understand that your parents would just go ballistic on you if you don't show up. In such a situation, you should show up late and leave early and don't be there for those periods of time in which the music is playing. And if the music is playing, you should go back out in the parking lot. Go have your dinner with the drivers. Yes. But you have to maybe go and register your attendance for the sake of your parents. That's the only exception we would allow for somebody's immediate family member. Immediate. That doesn't include first cousin or anything even remote from that. Anything other than immediate family member, there's no way you should even set foot in such a wedding or function or gathering that has gross violations against Sharia. Alright? Okay. Eleventh sign of... Eleventh sign is... وَإِذَا مَرُّوا بِاللَّغْوِ مَرُّوا kirama. I did this for you the other day. That when they pass by something that is love, so the first point, the first word is actually مَرُّوا that they pass by it. They don't engage in love. Right? And this also could be used for wedding if somebody still doesn't accept that intermingling and music and songs and dance are haram. It's definitely love. Right? So who are Rahman, they pass by it. They don't stop. They're not attracted. They don't pause to look. Then they don't enter. They don't participate. They pass by it. And how do they pass by Madru Kirama? They pass by with dignity and grace and honor. So that is the 11th of the 12 signs of Ibad rahman And this also means, right, that Madru means that even if somebody invites them, they still pass by it. But they will deny the invitation honorably. They won't be mean. They won't chastise the person. The person is not ready to understand that what they're doing is wrong. So you cannot say, I'm not coming to your wedding because it's haram. You can't say that. You have to say some way, Kiraman, you have to deny that invitation gracefully and find some other moment when that person's heart is soft to if possible do dawah and explain to them and invite them dawah means to invite right so to give them your own dawat nama your own invitation make them answer to allah ta'ala's dawat nama before you answer to their dawat nama hmm? all right okay and the last sign number uh oh, I lost Yes, and then another thing, very important, especially relating to, uh, in fact, there are more than twelve. So the twelfth one is Walladina ida zukru bi ayatira bihim lam yakhiru alayha summam wa umyana. That those they are those the Ibadur Rahman are those people who, when the zikr of the ayat, the mention of the verses of Allah Taala's revelation. Any when Quran al-Karim is mentioned in front of them, or the signs of their rub are mentioned in front of them, it literally means they don't fall down deaf and blind. What does it mean? They don't, they're not deaf to it. They're not blind to it. They listen to it. They inculcate it. They do amal on it. They're not blind to it. means not spiritually blind to it. They perceive it to be haq. They perceive its reality. What does it mean? That when they hear Quran al-Kareem, Ibad al-Rahman, they exert, them, the opposite, they exert themselves to understand and perceive its reality and then they spend their whole life acting accordingly to Quran. That is the sign of Ibad al-Rahman. Alright? So we would not want 
again, this to be have the opposite in us that we listen to Quran and we hear it in our ear, but we don't do amal on it, right? Or we're blind to the fact that this is the way we should live our life, and instead we live our life in any other way. Then the thirteenth quality is the make a dua. So again, a dua that we should remember, Surah Furqan, Surah 25, verse 74. وَالَّذِينَ يُقُولُونَ رَبَّنَا حَبْلَنَا مِنْ أَزْوَاجِنَا وَذُرِّيَّاتِنَا كُلُّ تَعَيُّنَا وَجَعَلْنَا لِلْمُتَّكِينَ إِمَامًا And they also make this dua, this is the quality of Ibad rahman So number one, what does it mean? That it shows, generally speaking, that they're concerned with their families. So Ibad rahman are not negligent of the spiritual upbringing of their family. Whereas today the people are the opposite, they may not be negligent of the material upbringing, so they make sure that they give the kid the car and the money and the education and the food and the shelter and the clothing, but they don't give them spiritual upbringing. So what, did, what, did, what is the dua Allah Ta'ala mentions in Quran? That the dua they're making is that, O oh, Arab, right? Make, us, make our spouses and our children the coolness of our eyes, right? Means grant us delight. In our spouses and children. That's what it means. Grant us spiritual delight in our spouses and children. So this means that they are concerned, right? In the tarbiyah of their children, tarbiyah of husband, wife is considered to be a husband. Husband is considered with tarbiyah of wife. Alright. And uh, it also means that they don't just pray for themselves. They pray for their family. They don't neglect any family duty, family obligation. And the last thing is they ask that... Uh, Make us an imam, an exemplar or a leader for the people of taqwa, people of piety and conscientiousness. So what does this mean? Now on the one hand, outwardly a person may think, well this sounds, this is against humility that a person wants to be imam. So remember, not in the way that we would want to be imam. They don't want to be imam because they want people to do their khidmat or they want popularity or fame or celebrity. They want to be an imam. They want to be an example and leader to invite people out. Right? To invite people out of their sin and to invite them into... So the people who they become imam of don't start out as muttaqeen. Make us an exemplar, an example of such people that we can lead them by way of example and teaching so that they become muttaqin. That's what it means, right? So this is the type of, if you will, spiritual leadership that we're making dua that Allah Ta'ala enable us to do da'wah. The concern means that the Ibad rahman this is why La Rahbaniyata fil Islam, the Ibad rahman are concerned with their spouses and children and they're concerned with humanity, mu'mineen, and even not insan. They're concerned with bringing. Every, they're concerned with the spiritual welfare of everyone. When we normally talk about welfare. We mean economic, right? The Imam the Rahman are concerned with the spiritual welfare of everyone, and they want that Allah Taala should accept them to be an example, exemplar, leader, yani Imam, a sign, right, by which they can bring people into a level of taqwa and and create a group of people who are muttaqin. So these are the signs of Ibad rahman What does Allah Ta'ala say finally about this Ibad rahman Verse 75 Ulaika yudzawna al-ghurfata bima sabaru wa yulqawna fiha tahiyyatan wa salama These are those people who because of their sabr because of their sabr, their steadfastness, constancy they persevere and they endure 
then they will be rewarded with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with the highest of heavenly abodes some have even translated this as balcony the highest of heavenly abodes and balconies and then they will be great greeted they will receive a welcoming greeting there and salama they will dwell there and they will receive salutations and peace it can also mean they will receive prayers of eternal life and peace khalidina fiha and here now khalidina means that they will abide therein forever they will dwell and remain therein forever and hasunat mustaqarra wa muqama contrast to what we did earlier this is a beautiful and wonderful and noble indeed place to dwell and place to reside forever so what are these ghurfa um, all right so ghurfata what is this meaning of ghurfa it can mean a heavenly abode and dwelling it can also be translated as a balcony there is a very interesting hadith from in the sahih bukhari in kitab al khalq narrated by um, abu sayyid al khudri radiyallahu ta'ala anhu the sayyidina rasulullah sallallahu said that using the same word right that indeed the people of paradise will in ahl jannati that indeed the people of jannah will look at the ahl al ghurf and they will look at the people of the ghurf so it means the people of these you know, wouldn't call it balcony people of lofty elevated heavenly abode or heavenly mansions men him who are above them and when they look at them, they will look at them in the same way كَمَا يَتَرَايُونَ الْقَوْكَبَ الدُّرِّيَّ The same way that people in this world looked at brilliant stars, right? Brilliant stars over the horizon. And why will this happen? So Nabi Yaqsam Because there is tafadul, there are levels and ranks and superiority of some over other in rewards. So what does it mean that in Jannah, a person will be able to see the lofty abode and celestial abode of that person who is a higher level of them in Jannah and will be staring at the glittering nur of that just like on earth you can look at a glittering star in the sky. So it means that this Abad rahman are those people who are going to get those higher mansions, higher levels. So it means that Abad rahman are getting a higher darja in Jannah. And then uh, after saying this, I'm finishing this, the people, the Saba asked the Prophet that, Ola are these, because the Saba thought that, okay, this will be the Siyah Rasulullah, that these will be the, realm, the homes of the Prophets, right? That that's what the Saba thought, that that must be the lofty abodes will be the homes of the Prophets. So Sayyidina, and that nobody will be able to reach them, and Sayyidina Rasulullah, Bala, that I swear in the name of that being in whose power lies the taking of my life, they will not be just for the Anbiya, but they will be Rijalun Amanu Billahi Wasandakul Mursaleen. They will be those who have Iman in Allah and do the Siddiq of the Mursaleen, and it will be of the Siddiqeen. 
So it means the Siddiqeen and the Anbiya will be together in Jannatul Firdos. And they will have these lofty abodes there that the other people of Jannah will be able to see from far away. So this is understanding from this ayah of Quran and from that hadith in the Sahih Bukhari. Last ayah then in this surah of Surah Al-Furqan, Surah 25 verse 77. So, okay, say it would not, you would not matter to your Rabb at all. Your Rabb would not even concern himself with you. If it had not been for your du'as and your prayers. And indeed, now you have surely denied and rejected the truth, and the consequences will inevitably be realized. Soon you will have to face the consequences of that. So here Allah subhanahu is mentioning that for the Ibad al-Rahman uh, would never have been able to become Ibad al-Rahman if they had not made dua to Allah subhanahu Another meaning then, that's relating it to what came before, relating it to the rest of the ayah, is that Allah ta'ala would not even concern himself with humanity if they didn't make dua. What does it mean that humanity's worth lies in their du'a in ibadah, in their worship and supplication, as Allah Ta'ala said in Quran, وَمَا خَلَقْتُمْ جِنَّةً وَالْإِنسَىٰ إِلَّا لَيَعْبُدُونَ That that is our very purpose, and that is our very worth lies in that. And if we hadn't done that, they would not. So if you address it to mu'mineen, it means, if you view this verse as being addressed to mu'mineen, uh, then it would mean that the mu'mineen would not have matured and become Ibad rahman in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa unless they had made dua. So it means and ultimately, and this is the easiest step for us, that another way, to, another sifat of Ibad rahman is they make dua to Allah Ta'ala, that Allah Ta'ala make us amongst Ibad rahman And then Allah Ta'ala addresses the unbelievers in the second part of this verse, as far as them, they have surely denied and they rejected the truth, and for them then they will have to inevitably, soonly, shortly face the consequences of that rejection. Surah number 26 is called Surah Al-Shu'ara, which literally means the poets. Again, we've explained these are huruf and muqata. These are letters that ultimately the true knowledge of them lies with Allah subhanahu wa alone. Tilka ayatul kitab al Indeed, these are the verses of the clear and clarifying book. Mubin can mean both things. It can mean itself the book, Quran al-Karim, is clear and has clarity. Mubin can also mean that the kitab, the Quran, clarifies all of the realities and hidayah for the people who are receiving it. And now Allah Ta'ala is addressing Sayyidina Rasulullah that it seems or it shortly seems that you will destroy, literally kill yourself with grief, Prophet Why? Because until they are believing that they may not they're not becoming believers. So this initial thing is that Sayyidina Rasulullah had become extremely distressed when the Mushrikeen of Makkah Makarama and his own clan members in Quraysh were refusing to accept his message of Iman. So to console him, Allah Sponsor revealed this verse. It seems that you are almost like going to destroy yourself because they are not believing. Now, don't cause yourself so much grief and distress over their failure to accept Iman. Why? Because Allah says in Surah 4, in Nisha, that if we want Nunazil alayhim min as ayatan, that if we had, Allah said, we had a wish, we would send a sky, a sign, sound, a sign down to them from the sky, and then what would happen? 
that indeed it would cause their necks to bow to that sign in in submission into the truth. You notice Allah Ta'ala saying we could have forced them to believe. We could have sent such a sign down onto them that they would have had no choice to believe. But this is not the way of Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala. It's not the way of Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala. He could force everybody to believe Allah one or two, but He is not. Like Raha fid deen, Allah Ta'ala decreed that there is no compulsion in deen. Everyone will have the choice. Man sha'afil yu'min wa man sha'afil yu'fil Allah says in Quran that whomsoever wants let him adopt iman whosoever wants let him adopt kufr then Allah Ta'ala in verses 5 onwards describes the attitude of those people of kufr wa ma yatim min dhikr min ar-rahman that whenever any uh, reminder any warning any advice comes to them from ar-rahman right then instead of heeding it muhdathin any new advice comes to that illa kanu anhu mu'ridin it doesn't come to them except that they turn away from it a verse such that they have certainly repudiated the truth even though news and shortly news of what they used to sneer at and scoff at and mock at will come to them don't they see verse 7 do they not see that the earth how many species Impeccable, noble species Allah Ta'ala has caused of all kinds Allah Ta'ala has produced on the earth. Indeed, in the Fidalika the ayah, indeed, in that there is a tremendous sign. Uh, but, Mamakana Akhtarahum Mu'mineen, however, most of them don't believe. But indeed, your Rabb is Almighty, All Merciful. Right? So here then Allah Ta'ala describes that the kuffar don't accept anything and even the news of their pending punishment of Qiyamah, even that has come to them in Quran, even that doesn't make a dent in them the last part is very important and this is this phrase is going to repeat itself throughout this surah and what was that? now this is one of the most wonderful aspects of Quranic commentary is the rubbed between the asmal husna the pairings which names have come paired together and why? So Al-Aziz means Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Al-Rahim means All-Mercy giving Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Al-Aziz means All-Might dispensing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Al-Rahim means All-Mercy giving Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the point of mentioning these two small husna together is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala addressing the kuffar. Look, Allah ta'ala has all the power. All the power. And yes, He has not used it to powerfully Compel, compel you to accept Iman but even after telling them that they disbelieve they mock etc Ar-Rahim uh, means that Allah is leaving the door open for them that Allah Ta'ala remains all mercy giving if O Kufar you were a mushrikeen you were to repent Allah Ta'ala's mercy could envelop you also second rabd is Al-Aziz Ar-Rahim that Allah Ta'ala is all powerful all merciful and it means that his mercy, mercy is all powerful that Allah Ta'ala's mercy is almighty and his mercy, when his mercy is almighty then why is it O human that you don't repent because his mercy is powerful enough to envelop and encompass each and every single thing for the rest of most of this surah we'll be talking about stories of prophets and these are stories that we did in detail in Surah Hud, Surah Araf, Surah Anbiya. So we are now going to pick up some speed. It's quite a long surah. There are about 200 something ayat in it. But almost everything are things that we have done already in Quran al-Kareem. Already means obviously last year. But also even Surah Anbiya we did this year. And you will see that a lot of this has already been commented on. So then, therefore we will content ourselves with trans- translation. Right. 
with none other book of Musa on it till come and it till So when your Rab told Sayyidina Musa Islam to go towards a Qomadalameen to a tyrannical and oppressive people, this means the people of Fir'aun. This again, you remember the story of Sayyidina Musa Islam very briefly again, that Fir'aun had seen a dream which was interpreted to him that a male child of Bani Israel would bring about your downfall. He started ordering that all the male children of Bani Israel be slaughtered. Sayyidina Musa Islam's mother was afraid for her baby son. Allah Ta'ala revealed to her that you should put him in a raft and then he will reach ashore, but his enemy and your enemy will take him, but then I will restore him to you, right? And then so it happened that Fir'aun and his wife, Asiya radiallahu picked up the baby Musa and they took him into the palace and then until he was an adult, they raised him like an adoptive son. When he was an adult, again Sayyidina Musa Islam left the palace and then he began to live back amongst his people. Once he was, and he was from the Bani Israel, once when he was amongst his people, he happened to witness an incident where one of the Bani Israel and one of the cops were in the Qiptis, were in an argument to protect who he felt who was the innocent party. He tried to separate the copt and he delivered one fist blow to him which killed him, after which then Musa decided to flee because he knew that there was no true justice in that land and there was discrimination against Bani Israel. And even though Sayyidina Musa had acted in a type of collective self-defense, but he would be found guilty and put to death. So he fled, then he saw a light which he thought was a fire, but was actually at the jelly of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he went to that and he was bestowed upon Nabuwa. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told him that he has to go back and make da'wah to Fir'aun. So Allah says here now in Surah Shura, Surah number 26, verses 10 to 11, that you should go to the tyrannical and oppressive qawm, which is that qawm of Fir'aun. The people of Fir'aun, Allah yattakun, and ask them that will they not adopt taqwa, will they not fear Allah subhanahu and be conscious of Him. Qala, and then Sayyidina Musa said to Allah ta'ala, Rabbi inni akhafu an yukadzibun, O my Rabb, I am afraid that they will call me a liar, they will falsify me, reject what I say, wa yadhiku sadri, and that my chest may be constricted, wa yantaliku lisani, and that my speech, my tongue will not be able to move fluently, I will not be eloquent in speech, farsi al-harun, so better that you address this command towards Sayyidina Harun alayhi and then you know elsewhere that yes, Allah Ta'ala made Sayyidina Harun a Nabi. But then even though Sayyidina Musa said that he is Afsahu meaning that he is, has more balagha, still Allah Ta'ala decided to make Sayyidina Musa the spokesman of this delegation of two Anbiya. Second thing then Sayyidina Musa told Allah that they have a crime, that they hold me responsible, they have a charge against me, which is then he committed murder of that person who he hit with, right, who he which I mentioned to you, فَأَخَافُ أَنْ يَقْتُلُونَ So hence I am afraid that they will, they will kill me. So then قَالْ Allah SWT said, Kalla, Certainly not, never will they be able to touch you. That's it. That's all of Allah's answer to everything. Then, وَذَهَبَ Chalo shabash dono chalja. Yes, that's what it means. Now go, فَذَهَبَ Now the go both of you, بِآيَاتِنَا With our signs, إِنَّا maakum. And Allah says, number one, that you have my ma'iyat, indeed we. Now this is the low royal way to show how intensely they have the ma'iyat, the presence and help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And mustami'un, Allah says, we will be intently listening and aware of everything that happens when you go. Fatiha, so then the two of them, uh, so, uh, yes, so then go, the two of you, to Fir'aun, Fir'aun, 
Fukula and the two of you should say, Inna Rasulu Rabbil Alameen, that we are the Rasul of Rabbil Alameen. This is because Fir'aun used to say this word for himself, Rabbil Alameen. You're going to see this, going, this phrase is going to come a few times as well. So tell them that no, you are the messengers of the real Rabbil Alameen. Go tell that imposter who claims he's Rabbil Alameen that you have come to him as the messengers of the true Rabbil Alameen. An arsal ma'ana Bani Israel. And you, what is it that you should tell them? That you should send with us, send the Bani Israel with us. Alright. So they go and they do this, and what does her own response? Kalos of her own response to them, Alam Nurabbika, that oh, and he just, says, he just ignores Harun al-Islam completely, and he looks at Musa al-Islam and says, that, oh, didn't we raise you as a child? Right? Nurabbika, and also this is an example to tell you, by the way, right, some people have this misconception. In the Arabic language, there are some words that are used exclusively for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Therefore, to use that word for anyone else is unlawful and a shirk. Second, however, there are some words that Allah Subhanahu uses for Himself and uses for others, and therefore it's completely permissible to use that word for others. So the word Rub is like that, right? Here, for all, Allah Taala uses word in Quran Rub, no Rubbika that I did your tarbiyah. Allah Taala when He taught us to make dua for our parents, Kamal Rubba Yani Sagira, Allah make. Uh, send your rahm and your mercy on my parents as they were my rubs and did my tarbiyah when I was young. So in Quran we're told to make dua by calling our parents rub. Even Allah Ta'ala's ar-rab. Similarly is the term maulana because a lot of people have this confusion. So in Surah Baqarah Allah Ta'ala yes use the word maulana that we should say Allah Ta'ala you are our maula you are our lord and master. But in Deen of Islam and Hadith Sayyidina Rasulullah Wasallam said that that person who has a slave, or that person who frees a slave, whether it's their own or somebody else is relevant, this is known as muqtik, that person who frees a slave becomes the mola of their slave. And actually this is known as this has special features in it. There's an actual status. The deen gives somebody a certain special status in the heart of that freed slave. And so that slave who is freed is supposed to have a special love for that person who freed them, and that is captured in the term Mola. And that is why sometimes in Persia, in Indo-Pak, people used to call their teachers who were ulama Maulana. It didn't mean that they're doing shirk, right? And some people who just make one trip to Jeddah, they like to come back and think that, oh, this word is shirk. No. Maulana means they're not saying that he's our Mola in the sense that Allah Ta'ala is Mola. Just like nobody is saying our parents are rubbed the way Allah Ta'ala is rubbed. What they're saying is this teacher is our mola just like a person who was a slave and somebody comes and freed them from slavery. So we call him mola. This teacher freed us from our ignorance by giving us ilm. So we call them molana. Alright? So it's absolutely 100% without a doubt permissible to call Sayyidina Rasulullah Sayyidina wa Maulana because Nabi freed us from the yoke of ignorance by being the agent of Iman by sending us Nabuwa and it's absolutely permissible to call a scholar an Alim Maulana if a person so wishes to do so alright okay that was the point I felt I should make alright uh, so here Fir'aun said to Musa Islam that didn't we take you take care of you as a child in our home and you stayed for us and many years of your life you were living with us and you spent with us and then he reminds Musa alayhi salam, وَفَعَلْتَ, uh, yeah, وَفَعَلْتَ You 
committed that act of yours, Allah felt that you committed. Put that you committed that act that you committed. It's an ishara. Yes, I know you committed that act of murder, right? That if we raise you up and then you go and murder one of these kids. So anta min al kafirin. Irony, right? Who of Islam is saying to say Musa Islam, wa anta min al kafirin. Allah Akbar, right? And indeed, look at the difference. See, Allah Ta'ala told them to go speak to them, call them layyina, speak to them softly. Actually, Musa could have shown up and said, this sentence to Fir'aun, Antum min al-kafirin. But no, he's being nice, soft, inviting. But Fir'aun is Fir'aun. Right? Antum min al-kafirin. You are, and here, it mean disbeliever means you are ungrateful. It's a logimana. You are an ingrate. You are from the ingrates. Alright? So, now, interestingly here, now, how does Sayyidina Musa respond? He says, Kala fa'altuha. I acknowledge, I accept that I did commit that act. Right? Okay. But I did that at a time when I was astray. It means Nabuat had not been manifested on me yet. Nabuat had not been manifested on me yet. I did it when I was one of those who were astray. But I fled from all of you, from you people. Because I feared you, that you, I feared your injustice. Then for Wahhabali Rabbi Hukma, but then my Rabb granted me wisdom, Wajalani Minal Mursaleen, and made me amongst the messengers. And this favor for which you reproach me, Tamannuha Alayya, An Abadta Bani Israel. This was because you had enslaved the Bani Israel. What is he saying? Saying Musa Sam, okay, this favor of yours that you raised me in your house, remember that you only did that only even took place in the first place because you were killing all the boys of Bani Israel. So my mother had to put me in that raft and that's how you discovered me and took care of me in your home. If you hadn't done that oppression, then this would have never happened in the first place. Second is that Sayyidina Muslim is reminding that, okay, you're reminding me about that one person I killed non-deliberately. You are a person of genocide. You are somebody who had enslaved and you killed all the male babies. You're a mass murderer. And you're reminding me of that one person I killed accidentally. Right? That's another meaning of this. So, uh, then, so now Fir'aun says, now remember this word, Qala Fir'aunu Bama Rabbul Alameen. So Fir'aun said to them, okay, now tell me who is the Rabbul Alameen? Right? Because he used to call himself that. He was trying to push them into subjugation. So Sayyidina Musa is some caller, Rabbu Samawati wal Ard, the Rabb of the heavens of the earth, and that which is between the two, he is Rabbul Alameen. In kuntum mu'minin, if indeed you, in kuntum mu'minin, if indeed you will be convinced. Right? If you are willing to be convinced and have yaqeen of that. And then so Fir'aun said to the people who were around him, means his court, his ministers, Are you listening to this? Don't you hear what he's saying? So Qal said, Musa He gives the second answer, that who is Rabbul Alameen? Rabbul Alameen is your Rabb, and he is the Rabb of all of your forefathers and ancestors, of old, your very first forefathers. Call again for own says, Inna Rasulakum Maladi Ursila Ilaikum la Majnoon. That oh look indeed and then he says to the people, right? Because there was there's for own his court and then the people who were watching all this, right? And some of the people were from the Bani Israel. So your messenger Rasul, the one who has been sent to you, is indeed Majnoon, is indeed insane. Same story, same thing that the Kufar Mushrikin used to say to Sayyidina Rasulullah. And also again I tell you. 
attributes of people like the unbelievers. So the Fir'auns of today within the Ummah are the people who think that their Rabbul Alameen, yes, what do I mean? They think that their Akal or their favorite scholar on TV, that alone is Islam. And anything else is folly. So what does Majnoon mean? I'll give you an Urdu sentence. Ye to pagalog ye. Isko to deko to say. Ye to... Or they will address their own sons. Ye kya pagal pan mein aapar gya? Ab kya mulvi ban kar pagal ho gya? Right? So this word pagal, that's majnoon. This is the way Fir'aun talks. This is the sunnat of Fir'aun. To call people on deen majnoon. And the Fir'auns of today will follow the sunnah of the Fir'aun of yesterday. And the Fir'auns of today will call the people on deen today crazy. That's what they do. Right? They view the deen as crazy. They view sunnah as crazy. They view hijab as crazy. They're the Fir'auns of today. So again, we never want to repeat the same words that Allah Ta'ala mentions that disbelievers say. We don't want to be like that. We don't want to follow in that practice. Again, Sayyidina Musa Sam gives another answer saying that, okay, he's not understanding. Let me try another attempt to answer his question. So another answer, who are the Rabbul Alameen called? Sayyidina Musa Sam says, Sayyidina Musa Sam says, Rabbul Mashaki wal Maghrib, that he is the Rabb of the East and the West, that all that which lies between the two. In Kuntum Taqilun, if you could have an intellect, if you could realize, if you could realize through understanding. So Qal Nafir'un has had enough of this. Now what does Fir'un say? He says, okay, look. If you take an ilah other than me, if you take a god other than me, if you take any deity other than me, then then indeed I will make you from a prisoner. Right? And again here is the singular, he is only addressing Musa salam, Right? So call Sayyidina Musa responds that jituka That what if I was to bring to you and show you something revealing, a clear proof, a proof that is clear in itself, or something that will reveal the truth to you? Call so Fir'aun said that Fatibihi in kunta That okay, bring that clear and revealing proof to me if indeed presented, if you were indeed being truthful. Falkal asahu. So Sayyidina Musa tossed his staff. And indeed, it became a serpent mubin. Clearly plain to see that it was a miracle, right? And became a serpent. Then he took out and drew out his hand. And and it became white. It turned white and glowing and shining for all of those who were looking, for all of the onlookers to see. Alright? So he shows Sayyidina Fir'aun these signs. But as you can imagine and you know that he's Fir'aun, it's not going to have any impact on Fir'aun whatsoever. So verse 34, this is also a sign that this is the way of the Fir'aun. You will tell them, look, I can explain it to you. They say, okay, go ahead. Bolo. And then you will explain to them and it will have no effect on them whatsoever. They won't listen at all. Because they are stubborn instead of accepting the deen as the way Nabiya Karim has taught the deen. They have their own fanciful ideas of what is deen. There is nothing you can do to explain it to them. There is nothing you can do. That's why the better approach is what Allah said earlier about the Rahman. They just say salam. They don't debate and argue. You should never engage in argument and disputation. Never. It's not going to benefit in any way. It just increases the stubbornness of the other person. It will increase their hostility. And if you even try even harder to explain to them, now the Billah, they may even say something really stern against them. 
They may end up saying something that could even be a kalimat kufr. They may say something bad about Nabi Akrim sallallahu They may say something bad about Deen of Islam. They may say bad about Allah subhanahu wa They may say, agar ye dine, to koi ne manna. They may say something like that. That if this is the deen, I won't accept it. And then that means that actually, <laughs> that's technically a statement of kufr. Right? So you don't want to argue. You just bring out the worst in the other person. And you won't be able to bring any sense of understanding to them. Right? You're surprised I know all these sentences, right? <laughs> there are many sentences like that. Unfortunately, there's a certain community, right? Uh, and they, they, when, they ang- when they're angry, they like to speak in Urdu. And when they're really nice, they speak in English, right? <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a unique community, right? So what does Fra'al say? So this doesn't make any dent in Fra'al. All of the Sokala now, Fra'al just ignores Mulsaysam. And he turns to the Malay, that he turns to the ministers and his people and his leaders and the elites who are gathered around him, that this is just a magician. This is just an extremely skilled and knowledgeable magician. He's an expert magician. Alright, now Fir'aun says the sense that he wishes to take you out, to expel you from your land by means of his magic. What is it that you advise? Alright, first possibility, which is most likely here, is that yuridu ay Yukritukum, etc., is what Fir'aun says to his ministers. But you may remember that in Surah Araf, when we did that, it was the ministers who said this word to Fir'aun that he wants to take you out. So, first possibility is that, okay, here it is also the ministers who are saying it. Second possibility is know that here Fir'aun says it to them. And then later the ministers repeat it back to him. Because this is the way of these, what in English we call sycophants. Uh, I don't know how to put that for you simply, but those ministers who are just kissing up to the leader that they're around, and whatever he says, they repeat it back to them. Yes, men. They say what he likes to hear, and they say yes to everything he says. Right? So that's probably what Allah Ta'ala over there, they said it here, Fir'aun said it, so Fir'aun said it, they said it back to him, then both of these things they also say back to another, فَمَادَ تَعْبُرُونَ So what do you advise? Now finally, now the ministers say themselves, verse 36, what is the advice that is given? Okay. So they say that, okay, look, you should delay him and his brother here with us while you dispatch and send recruiters to all of the towns and villages. And what they will do, they will bring every learned and expert magician to you. And this is what Pharaoh did. Now, when that happened, and when the magicians were assembled for the appointment on a specified day, we did this earlier, Sayyidina Muslim gave a particular day for that. So when they did this, so the people were asked, it was said to the people, Hal antum mujtamayun? Have you all gathered? Are you all together? That maybe we will follow the magicians in Ghalibin if they should emerge as victors, if they win the contest. Then when the magicians entered and arrived, they said to Fir'aun, they asked him a question. What did they ask Fir'aun? That indeed will we, be, will we get a reward? Is there a reward for us if we should be victorious and if we are the winners? And Kala Naam, the Pharaoh said, Yes, wa innakum idan that if you were victorious you will be amongst those who are close to me. So this is a sign that this is what the people of this world have to offer. If you follow them and you listen to them instead of Allah Spanta, yes, the most they can offer you is Qurb to them. They can make you close to them. But why would you want to be close to them at the expense of being close to Allah Subhanahu wa And in fact Allah Ta'ala has the same reward. Right, that if you follow the deen and you submit to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then you will become Allah ta'ala's mukarrabin. 
So that is really the choice in this world. Everybody is muqarrab to someone. You want to be Allah Ta'ala's muqarrab, you want to be the dunya's muqarrab, you want to be fashion's muqarrab, you want to be the ummahat al-mu'mineen's muqarrab, it's our choice. Right? But that's all the world can offer you is a qurb, but know that the qurb with the world is fleeting, is temporary, because one day death will separate you from that world. Whereas the qurb with Allah Ta'ala is eternal and ending, there's nothing that will ever separate you from the presence of Allah Ta'ala in the akhirah. But that's what Pharaoh told them that okay, I will make you close to me. So Musa said to them, Okay, throw, cast what you wish to throw what you wish to throw. So the missionaries they threw their robes and their staffs. And then what did they say? This was their nara. When they threw, yes, in the name and the honor and the power of Pharaoh, that indeed we will be indeed we will be the winners and victorious. Okay, after they threw and after they gave the nard and Sayyidina Musa some threw his staff, which instantly became a serpent and a snake, and it seized and swallowed all their counterfeit magics that they conjured. Then what happened? Now, uh, then what happened? Fa'ulki as-saharatu sajideen. So now, literally it means, and now when they cast what they cast, now it means the magicians were thrown down or cast down in prostration. What it means, they threw themselves down. That act of the miraculous changing of the asa into a serpent had the effect on the magicians that it made them throw themselves down, so that it threw them down, sajideen, in a state of sajda. Again, now the irony on Fir'aun <laughs> that that title he used for himself. Now the magicians are saying, and they made it clear, let Fir'aun think. So what they say, Rabbi Musa wa Harun, the Rabb of Sayyidina Musa, Islam, the Rabb of Sayyidina Harun. So the magicians accepted Imam. And this, should, this is the way people are supposed to be when they see Haq. The second haqq manifests itself. The second truth makes itself evident. And that's what Allah calls his book, Kitab Mubin, to make evident the truths. The second the truths are made evident, people should instantaneously, instantly, without hesitation, completely bow and submit their life to that. And that is actually what the magicians of Pharaoh did. And the magicians of Pharaoh prior to the second were unbelievers. And it shows that even unbelievers, when they see the truth, some of them, they can submit to it truly. So now when they did that, right, I'm using those same words. So what is Pharaoh going to say? Kala Amantum, and we did a similar passage like this earlier, uh, a few days ago. That have you accepted Iman before I gave you permission to do so? So then Pharaoh said, he thought this was a conspiracy. He, couldn't, he still couldn't accept that look, these people saw the reality and he couldn't accept, he saw the same sign himself. The same thing that the magicians saw that made them accept Iman, Fir'aun saw the same thing and had no effect on him. This is true again for the Fir'auns of today. You can bring them to listen to something or read something. The same thing that can move other people will not be able to move them. The same thing that can change them will not be able to change them. Because they're the Fir'auns of today, right? The same thing that can convince another person instantly to accept Deen will not have even the slightest dent or impression on them. And then they will think it's some conspiracy, right? So what does Pharaoh think? Pharaoh thinks that what? That he must be your leader. It means he must be the one who taught you magic, right? That there's some other reason why you're following him. Again, the Pharaohs will say the same thing. That you must be following them for some reason. Not because it's Deen. No, 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 no,
आप क्यों इसकी पैरवी करते हो क्या हो गया आपका भाई कोई वजह होगी देर मस्ट बी सम रीजन राइट देर मस्ट बी सम रीजन so now then for all what is as he threatens them with this is also mentioned la uqatta anna aydiyakum he says that i will amputate your hands and your feet on opposite ends and then i will crucify each and every single one of you what did they say so remember later they said that do whatever you want it makes no difference to us here their words are slightly different they said qalu la dayra they said that no harm that do whatever you want there is no harm to us whatsoever inna ila rabbina munqalibun for indeed we are going to return to our rabb inna natma'u an yaghfir lana rabbuna we wish that our rabb should forgive khatayana that he should forgive each and every one of our mistakes and errors an kunna awwal almu'minin since we have been the first ones to have iman in this community of Fir'aun so they were the first cops to accept iman and sayna Musa alayhi salam Right Okay Verses 52 onward Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Next verse Ba'ahayna ila Musa And we sent revelation to Sayyidina Musa alayhi salam An asri bi ibadi That at night time we should take our ibad away We did this also for you recently and then told him innakum mutbaun that indeed you will mutbaun indeed you will be followed you will be followed and as you'll be pursued there will be a hot pursuit that will follow you so for all sent recruiters to the city is the same type of wording what does it mean that to go and gather uh, for all sent people to gather right what his army or his reserves and what did they say that what did for all tell his recruiters they said that they're just a small band small group of people this by Israel who have certainly infuriating they're infuriating to us they're vexing us but it's okay we are united and we are on the alert we are well prepared for us then allah taala says fakhrajnahum min jannatin wa yun so we removed and expelled for all and his army from gardens and springs and from وَكُنُوزٍ وَمَقَامٍ كَرِيمٍ and from treasures and from an eminent position or from a splendid setting what does it mean that they're never going to return right you're going to see they're going to drown in the water so they left their nice homes and their wonderful gardens and their springs and all of their money and all their wealth all of that that they were attached to Allah Ta'ala separates them from that and now they're going to meet their death right they're going actually they don't know but they're actually riding into their death when the water is going to drown them Kadalik and so it was and so it was decreed and then Allah Ta'ala says wa awrathna ha bani israel and we made the bani israel heritage to them what does this mean so the commentators say that after a long other set of stories that we did in surah bakrah comes to pass then eventually some of the bani israel came back to misr right and amongst them and then they inherit all of that wealth and the kingdom that Pharaoh and his people left behind Also some said this refers to when the Banu Shah came back to Mr. Sayyidina Sulaiman al-Islam then became the king and was inherited all of that kingdom. Then next verse so then it's at uh Mushrikeen at the time of sunrise uh the enemies Firaun and his army pursued Sayyidina Musa Sam and the Banu Israel. When the two parties when the two parties saw one another Sayyidina Musa al-Islam said that the, the ashab qala ashabu musa the sahaba of sayyidina musa sallam what did they say inna lamudrakun that indeed we will be overtaken and we will be apprehended 
But Sayyidina Musa said, No, certainly not, never. That indeed my Rabb is with me, Sayyidin, and he will certainly guide me. Then Allah SWT sends revelation unto Sayyidina Musa salam, that strike the ocean with your staff. And then it split open the river or the sea, rather, which is the Red Sea, split open and divided each part. Like an enormous mountain, like a big imagine, like imagine the water is sort of rising up like two big mountains of water almost, and you're walking in between that. And then Allah says, then we rescued Sayyidina Musa salam, Banjina Musa Allah before that, uh, then we, Allah says we drew the others closer, right, so that they would come approach closer, and then Allah we rescued Musa salam. So what does it mean? Drew the others closer inside the water, rescued Musa Islam and the Bajra by taking them out of the water safely on the other shore. In the Fidalik and the Ayah, indeed this is a great sign. However, most of them don't believe. This is also initially an amazing thing that Fir'aun and his army didn't realize this was a sign. I mean, this should have been a clear sign to everyone that this is really a Navi. Look what he just managed to do. He just parted the waters. But they were so foolish. It shows that that person who has zid is completely blinded, blinded by fury, blinded by anger, blinded by their stubbornness. That something so clear and manifest, something extraordinary, supernatural, takes place in front of them. They still don't realize and they still went in for the chase. And then Allah SWT drowned Fir'aun and all of his army. And that is the sign. And so, and but Allah Taala says that even though it's a great sign, wamakan akthurum minin, even then Allah Taala is saying that, O Nabi Akram all of these signs you will mention them to the unbelievers at your time and in the future also, but they won't believe. They won't believe this never happened. Like this atheist will say today, he say, What do you mean that's a sign for me? I don't believe it even happened. That's what he'll say. I don't even believe this ever happened. That's what Allah is saying. Akthurum. Uh, meaning that the vast majority won't work. Then again, the same phrase: "Wa inna rabbaka lahul azizur rahim." That indeed know that your Rabb, Nabiyyukism, your Rabb is Al Aziz, is Almighty, All Powerful. At any time, can take His vengeance on them. But Al Rahim also, His mercy is Almighty. And mercy is powerful. If at any time they repent, His powerful mercy can overwhelm them and wipe away all of their sins. Right. Now this action of Fir'aun, when Fir'aun drowns, although we did this last year, I thought it was worthwhile to mention this to you again. This is in Surah number Surah Yunus, verses 90 and 91, that what happens when Fir'aun drowns. So when Fir'aun drowns, he starts to say something. And what does he say? Qala amantu annuhu la ilaha illalladhi amanat. That amanat bihi banu Israel. That I believe, amantu, that I believe in that God who the Bani Israel believe in. Wa ana min al-Muslimin. And he said, and I'm from those who surrender. Right? So at the last moment he tries to take iman. Not when he saw the waters part, but when he saw the waters falling down on him, about to drown him. So what does Allah SWT respond? Al-Ana That is it now? Now? Now you want to believe now? 
When before you were disobedient amongst the people who spread fasad, means this ayah establishes that in the clutches of death, a person's iman and tawbah will not be accepted. This Allah Ta'ala will not taunt a person at any other time in their life. They will make tawbah number 60 and Allah says, now you lived a life of sin. No, Allah Ta'ala said, come on in. Anytime. But when death overcomes you, when you are literally seeing death, your death is yaqeen over you, at that moment tawbah in iman will not be accepted from a person. Right? So better that you should make tawbah before, that we should all make tawbah before that last moment comes upon us. And then, what is going another further mention of this, uh, because I mentioned it because this is, you probably wouldn't know this in present company, but it's a matter of debate between Jews and Christians whether for owns died as his repentance accepted or not the Quran answers that debate number one in that ayah and then number two uh, in Surah Hud Surah 11 which we did again last year verses 98-99 Allah Ta'ala makes it clear that on the day of judgment Fir'aun is going to lead his people and they will all enter into the fire يَقْدُمُ قَوْمَهُ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ that Fir'aun will lead his people on the day of judgment فَأَوْرَدَهُمُ النَّارِ and they will all enter and he will enter them into the fire of Jahannam. And indeed what an evil place it is that they have entered. Alright. And it will be said, What that in this world Pharaoh and his people are accursed, and in the day of judgment they will be accursed. And indeed it is an evil prize and an evil end that they will receive or be awarded. Right? Okay, now verses 16 onwards, story of Sayyidina Rahim al-Islam. Again, all of it is something that we have covered and all of it would be something that you have done before. Alright? Buddha alayhim Naba Ibrahim and recite to them Nabiya Kareem Sassam the recite and recite to them through revelation and relate to them the story of Sayyidina Rahim al-Islam. Remember how Rehmi said to his people and his, fa- his father and his people that what is it that you are worshipping? So they replied that we were worshipping idols and we were constantly devoted to them. Sayyidina Rehmi then asked them, do, do these idols, do they hear you? Do they hear you? When you call to them, are they able to, or can they provide you any benefit or any harm? So then they replied that we found our forefathers doing the same so means they have no real answer for that right they have no answer to that but uh, this is what we found our forefathers doing now why did Sayyidina Rehumsa ask them this question obviously he knows that they worship idols he asked them because he was trying to draw them into a conversation this was the method of Dawi he was trying to use to try to get them to state with their own tongues the folly of worshipping idols made of stone, statues made of stone and clay, right? And that they don't worship, that they're not able to do anything. So 75 then say, Don't you see, look, aren't you looking at what is it you've been worshipping? You and your ancestors, right? Your previous ancestors, which have followed your forebears. And then he says, look at them, each and every one of them. Literally means they're enemies to me. It means they're inimical to me. I have repugnance for them. And all of the things that you worship, illa rabbul alameen, all of it is repugnant to me except for rabbul alameen, the rub of the worlds. 
Alladhi Now he tries to tell them Now who is Rabbul Alameen Alladhi Khalaqani Fahuwa Yahdeen That Allah tells that being Who created me and guides me And he is the one who feeds me And gives me drink And he is the one who heals me When I am sick And he is the one who will cause me to die And then revive me He will grant me death and revive me And he is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Alladhi Atma'u Ayyagfirali That he is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Who I am hopeful That he will forgive me <clears throat> that he will forgive me for my mistakes and sins on the day of judgment so here the last thing that Ibrahim tells him about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that Allah ta'ala is ghafoor which is the most important thing that yes he created, he did this, he did this but Allah ta'ala, the Allah that I believe in the Rabbul Alameen that I believe in is ghafoor, is forgiving and another point here is that it also shows that even the Anbiya wanted the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So one can imagine that if the Anbiya atma'u min have tama, have hope for the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then how much people like us, ghair Anbiya, should hope and yearn for the, for the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then from the 83 onward, then Sayyidina Muhammad makes a dua, another dua that we should remember. So again, the Surah 26, verse number 83. Rabbi habli hukma wa al-hikni bis-salihin That, oh my Rabb, grant me hukam. Hukam can mean hikmah, which means wisdom. Hukam could also mean nabuwa. That make me a nabi to guide these people out of their shirk. Right? Uh, and al-hikni bis-salihin It means literally, al-haq, join me to the salihin, to the people who are makbul in the law, who are righteous and pious and accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the second thing is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give me a reputation of truth. Right? That's one way to make it among later generations. It also give me lisan as can make people remember me with a truthful tongue. May people remember me favorably. Right? means from those who are going to come, who are muakhar. And Allah Ta'ala make me amongst those who will inherit, make me inherit of the bounteous Naim, the bounteous and full of bounties, Jannah. Then, and Allah Ta'ala forgive my father. For indeed, he is amongst those who are manifest stray. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala do not disgrace me yawma yubathun on the day when people will be resurrected. What is that day? Yawma la yanfa'u malun mulabanun. That is the day on which neither wealth will be a benefit nor sons will benefit. Illa man atallaha mikal bin salim. And only that except that person who brings to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala a pure and untainted, unblemished heart. So here's Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi salam. This is a lesson for the uh, Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi salam wants to be joined with the Salihin so this is a lesson for us to make dua for the same things the dua for I mean that's something we really comment here is the dua of Sayyidina Ibrahim salam. so number one that we should also ask for hikmah number two that we should want to be amongst the Salihin number three to be remembered favorably right so Allah Ta'ala obviously accepted this because in Quran Sayyidina Ibrahim Islam is mentioned favorably all the following Anbiya remembered him favorably we remember him and especially our Ummah the Ummah of Sayyidina Rasulullah even our Salaam Durud Ibrahim that's the way of remembering Sayyidina Ibrahim Islam the way that you send Salawat on Sayyidina Ibrahim Islam all of this is a way of remembering him favorably it shows also that a 
mu'min should want that she should leave behind a good legacy on earth whether in their own children or their students they should want to remember favorably not for fame it doesn't mean for fame, popularity, celebrity but it means that they want to be remembered well for doing things that were good they want to leave behind a good legacy it's a subtle difference between these two things Right. I've already discussed last time, uh, not last time, but earlier, this du'a of Sayyidina Ibrahim Alayhi Wasallam's father and what since it was made. Uh, and the last part of this du'a is, Wala tukhzini, and don't humiliate me. So this is also something that we should make du'a for. And you would find many of the Mashaikh make du'a, let the day of judgment not be a day of nadamat for us or day in which we are humiliated in front of our forefathers or our predecessors or those who are to come or the anbiya and then he mentions something that Allah Ta'ala because it's in Quran it's kalamullah so Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala is mentioning that that day is a day la yanfumalamullah banun so what does that mean that that is a day that none of our wealth and money and property and possessions will be of any benefit to us on that day nor our sons or our children or none of our worldly relations will be benefited to us on that day. The only person who will benefit on that day is that person who brings to Allah subhanahu ta'ala a pure and untainted heart. So that is the whole topic and uh, that is the science of purification of the heart. Verses 90 onwards now Allah subhanahu ta'ala moving on from the stories of these anbiya. Allah ta'ala is going to return to it but as an interlude from 90 to 104 Allah is going to talk about uh, Jannah and the day of, uh, Jahannam and the Day of Judgment so verse 19 so literally means that Jannah will brought near the people of Taqwa while Jahannam will be displayed and revealed to uh, the blazing fire will be displayed and revealed to the deviant ones and then it will be said to them that kuntum ta'budun. That where are those things? Where are those that all those that you used to worship? Min dunillahi besides Allah subhanahu wa taala. Will they help you? Hal yansurunakum? Will they help you in any way? Or can they help? Or can they de- deliver you? Save you? Protect you? Yani from this blazing fire? No. All of them will all be toppled and thrown headlong into the blazing fire of Jahannam. Both them, hum wal ghabun, both them and those who have gone astray. And wujunud al iblis ajma'un, and the entire army of shaitan. All of the shaitan will go into the fire of Jahannam. And then all of the false idols and all of the people who worship those false idols, all of them will go into the fire of Jahannam together. Then when they are in that fire of Jahannam, then they will dispute with one another, they will argue with one another. And then they will also try to reach out to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Tallahi in kunna lafi dalana mubin. That indeed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala were indeed an evident error. And why? If we took you, O oh you false idols, we took you for equals to bi rabbil alameen. Remember I told you that term will keep coming? Rabbil alameen. That we equated you. So it means also the ministers of Fir'aun will be in Jahannam addressing Fir'aun that we were an error that we equated you to rabbil alameen. وَمَا أَذَلَّنَا إِلَّا الْمُجْرِمُونَ That it's only criminals who led us astray. There were sinners and wrongdoers led us astray. And now, فَمَالَنَا مِنْ شَافِئِينَ There is no pious intercessor for us. Because Allah Ta'ala will not accept shafa'ah or intercession for the unbelievers and the idol worshippers. وَلَا صِدِيقٍ And there is no siddiq, there is no hameem, there is no intimate friend either for us. No intimate friend either for us. So if only we could return 
If only we were given the chance and opportunity to return, then fatukuna min al-mu'mineen, then we would have been amongst the believers. Inna fi la And indeed, surely in this recant, recounting of this whole dialogue that will take place is a great and tremendous sign. However, Again, still most of them will not be believers. Same phrase that repeating. Indeed, Allah Ta'ala is Almighty. If they choose to face Him as unbelievers, He is Al-Aziz Almighty. But He is also Al-Rahim. Still they can repent and take Iman and choose to meet Him on the Day of Judgment as believers. And then they will find Him as Al-Rahim. Verses 105 to 122, going back again to the story of Sayyidina Nuh salam, a lot of repetition in the surah from things that have already passed. That indeed the people of Nuh salam repudiated, but interesting thing here, Al-Mursaleen, the Mursaleen, that is plural, now they actually just denied one Sayyidina Nuh salam, and you're going to see this is going to repeat also the plural Mursaleen, what it means is that to deny one prophet is equal to, equivalent to, tantamount to denying them all. Because every prophet is just a continuity in that chain. So what does it mean that if people are guilty, it's a double great crime to deny the Prophet ﷺ. Number one, one would be guilty of denying the greatest prophet. And then second, one would be denying all of the prophets ever to have existed. Because they're denying the Nabi al-Anbiya, the prophet of the prophets. So same thing is being mentioned here, that the community of Salam, they denied all of the messengers. So Allah Sponsor says it, recall and remember that time when their brother, now Akhuhum means the Nuhun is their brother in the sense that he's from that community. He's their brother. He's their fellow member, right? So Allah Ta'ala sent a messenger to them from amongst their own myth and he asked them the standard question that Allah Ta'takun, that will you not adopt taqwa? Again, you will see taqwa all over. It's iman and taqwa, iman and taqwa. Believe in one Allah subhanahu wa and then out of taqwa, out of fear of Him and remembering His majesty to submit to His commands. So what does Sayyidina Allah say? That indeed I'm a faithful and trustworthy messenger who has come to you to adopt taqwa wa taqullah. Fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala fa have taqwa wa ati'uni and obey me. Means that the way to adopt taqwa is to obey the messengers. So what is taqwa? One aspect of taqwa is to obey and follow the sunnah of Sayyidina Rasulullah Wasallam. And then Sayyidina says the same thing that the Prophet told the people of Makkah وَمَا أَسْأَلُكُمْ عَلَيْهِ مِنْ أَجْرٍ I'm not asking for any reward, financial remuneration from you but all, indeed my reward Indeed my ajr and reward is only going to be given to me by the Rabbil Adameen by Allah SWT So, again he says to them, Fattakullah wa ati'un, so you should fear Allah subhanahu and obey me. Qalu. So they responded, undented by any of this, Annu'minu, should we believe laka in you, wa and that we should follow you, and we should follow, sorry, the most and the lowest of people who follow you. Should we believe in you when it's the lowest of people who follow you? This is. Uh, let me do one more that Sayyidina responds to them that how do I know what do I know of what they do this I can have two ways to translate it first it means that they are saying that should we believe in you when the lowest of people in class in stature in status meaning the poor follow you right so then Sayyidina response is that I have nothing to do with their occupations and what they do 
Right? It's irrelevant to me. So this teaches us that yes, some of the people who deny deen is because they view deen as something below their class and their status and their accomplishment. That they're too refined to submit to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and follow deen. Second is that they don't like the equality that deen teaches because when you're in deen, deen you're going to pray right next to a person who is maybe a poor person, right? Deen says in front of Allah Ta'ala's eyes you are all equal. Deen says you will make the wall soldier. Deen says you will stand together in Yom Arafah. And people who are arrogantly affluent elites, they don't like that. They don't like the equality and equity aspect of deen. Another uh, tafsir of this ayah is by this, the actual, the disbelievers were actually trying to... Uh, Instill a doubt in the heart of Sayyidina Salam. And when I said that, when, it, when they asked that, do we, should we believe when the lowest of people believe in you? They were saying that the people who believe in you don't believe in you truly. They're really hypocrites, the ones who believe in you. So in that sense, Sayyidina Salam's response would mean that what do, uh, you know, what do I know about their ulterior motives? What do I know what they really do? My job is again just to deliver the message. Right? That's a secondary but less likely but still possible meaning of this verse. And so in that and, and in that reading one thirteen is in Hisabahum Illa Alarambi Lotashurun that indeed this their Hisab is going to be with Allah Swantala. I have nothing to do, their account is up to my Rabb alone. If only you could perceive, if only you could understand. But he says to them very clearly, Wama Ana Bitaridin but I shall never ever drive away and discard these believers, the community that has been given to me means I, can, I will never let go of them even if they're poor and you don't want me to keep them or in ana illa nazirun mubin or even if they are hypocritical I will never discard them for me I'm just a herald I'm a nazirun mubin I'm a clear warner Kalu, so they respond back to him and they say to Nuh that if you don't desist from this belief if you don't give it up ya Nuh o Nuh Marjumin, that we will do rajam to you, you will be stoned to death. Now when they came to this level, and this is like the climax of centuries of Sayyidina Nul Islam trying to get them to believe, so finally now Sayyidina Nul Islam calls, Sayyidina Nul Islam turns to Allah Ta'ala and makes dua, Rabbi inna qawmi kaldaboon, that Allah Ta'ala indeed my qawm, my people, my community who I have addressed, they have uh, repudiated me and they view me to be a liar. So faftah baini, and so Allah subhanahu decide and judge between us and deliver me and rescue, deliver and rescue me and all the believers who are with me. So Allah says that He does that for Anjainahu, Mamma'ahu, Fil Fulk, and Allah we granted him salvation, we rescued him and saved him and those who were the believers with him on the Fulkin Mashhoon, which means the laden boat, the brimming boat, which was filled with those believers and those pairs of the species of animals and then we drown all of the rest who stayed behind indeed and that is surely a great sign but again the same thing right indeed in that there's a great sign but indeed the vast majority of them will not have iman then again the same sentence but indeed your Rabb is tremendously powerful and tremendously merciful that if they were to, if they don't heed they will find him to be tremendously powerful but still there is a chance they can heed the sign and find Allah Ta'ala's tremendous mercy then from verses 123 to 140, Allah is going to mention the people of Ad, right? 
and this was the story of Sayyidina Hud salam. And this again we did in detail in Surah Hud and elsewhere in Quran last year. Uh, we, so we just mostly will just translate this. Same thing, Kaldabat Adul Mursaleen. Again, the people of Ad actually only falsified Sayyidina Hud salam. But by doing that, they actually denied multiple messengers, all previous prophets. Idkalum Akhuhum, same pattern that their brother Yenihud Laisam was from the people of Ad. He asked them the same question, Allah Takun, that will you not adopt taqwa? Same, so it shows you the purpose of all of this repetition is to show that all of the Anbiya came with the same message and they were met with the same and similar response. And so Sayyidina is saying that you have come with the same message. Remember earlier that you were killing yourself with grief because they're not believing. No, look, this has happened. This is the history. This is how humanity is. Humanity, aksarahum, they won't be mu'mineen, the vast majority of humanity will not accept Iman. And this is how it has been in the past and this is how it will be. So all of this is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala giving, if you will, tasalli or consoling Nabiya Kareem sallallahu alayhi Okay, so back to it, verse 125. Same statement that indeed, inni lakum rasulun amin, that indeed I am a trustworthy messenger to you, faithful to you. So have taqwa of Allah subhanahu fear Allah subhanahu and obey me. Same thing, I don't ask you for any reward or remuneration for this. My ajr will lie up to the Rabbil Adameen alone. Then, one thing new here is 128, specific to the community of Ad, right? 128 to 130 is specific to them. So what is that? That do you erect or build a monument and sign on every single hill or elevated place for fun? And do you construct, lar- construct and occupy large palaces and buildings, thinking that you may live forever? And then when you attack, you attack as oppressors, then again the same thing, that you should fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you should obey me. So what is this referring to here? So this was the practice of the people of Ad. That Allah Makurtubi writes in the tafsir that they used to build these huge monuments high up on the hills and they used to sit on top of those monuments and they used to sometimes attack or mock the people who were passing by and traveling. Second thing, they used to build large palaces for themselves and their view was that as if they built it such a large and fancy place as if they were going to live there forever. And when they seize control, what this means is that you may remember that the people uh, of Ad were extremely strong and extremely powerful, enormous stature and build. So they used to be very arrogant and who can be more powerful than us? And they actually were oppressors, means they used to plunder many cities and kill many people. So again, Sayyidina Hud al-Islam makes the same call that you should have taqwa to fearless panta and obey me. Be conscious of the one fearless panta, that being who has strengthened you with all of the things that you know, who has supplied you with cattle, any animals and children, sons, and bestowed upon you gardens, orchards and springs. Indeed, I fear for you the punishment of a great day, a tremendous day, Yomin Adim. So they respond that it is immaterial to us. It is the same to us. It makes no difference to us whether you preach upon us or not. قَالُوا سَوَاءٌ عَلَيْنَا أَوَأَذْتَ أَمْ لَمْ تَكُمْ مِنَ الْوَائِذِينَ It is irrelevant to us, it is the same to us, immaterial to us, whether you do wa'ad, whether you advise and counsel us, or whether you are not from the people, if you preach to us or you don't preach to us. وَإِنْ هَذَا إِلَّا خُلُقُ الْأَوَّلِينَ All of this that you're talking about, religion, is just the invention and creation of earlier people, of ancient people. 
And there is no punishment going to happen to us. We will never be punishment. So again, they called him a lawyer. They called him a liar. <laughs> they called him a liar. Right? They falsified him and they rejected him and repudiated him. But it also can mean that they called him a liar. So Allah said, and then we destroyed them. Right? And again, in the Fidalika Ayah, and this, this is a sign, but then again, mu'minin. but again, the vast majority of people will not accept Iman. Then again, the last time, but indeed, is almighty and he is also all merciful. Okay? That destruction, the details of the punishment of the people of Aad have been mentioned in Surah Hamim Sajda, Surah Ahkaf, Surah Zariyat, Surah Kamar, Surah Al Haqq. And what was their punishment that Allah sent a severe windstorm that blew relentlessly for seven nights and eight days and each and every person in that community was destroyed. Verses 141-2, on 59, same pattern, same story, but now yet another prophet and that other prophet is being uh, Sayyidina Salih salam, sent to the community of Thamud. Same thing, that the people of Thamud denied messengers, denied prophets, because they denied Salih, they denied all the prophets. So sponsor says that oh, when their brother Salih told them the same thing, same thing, that I am indeed a trustworthy, faithful messenger has come to you. Same thing, so you should have taqwa for the sponsor and obey me. Same thing that I do not ask any reward remuneration from you, but my reward and my ajr, my nurshan in ajri illa Allah Rabbil Alameen is only in the Rabb of Alameen. Alright. Then he said to them that will you be left in peace, will you be left secure in peace in what is here? Means in their world. Means re- trying to remember, remind them that they're going to have to leave this funny world. What was the world for them? Gardens, orchards, springs fields and plantations, orchards of date palms with heavenly laden thickets of fruit. And then what do they also used to do? This was a special thing about them with you nimbly or capably or ably carving homes and your houses inside the mountains, from the mountains. So saying that even you have all of these sifat and you have all of these benefits, you won't be here forever. What the Allah so fear Allah what and you should obey me and do not obey the command and do not obey the command of the people of Israf, the people who are immoderate the people who transgress the bounds and and those who cause sedition and chaos and corruption and spread that on earth and they don't make amends and they do nothing to improve anything on earth that indeed you are just a man who is bewitched you are nothing you are merely bewitched you are just a man just like us. So bring a really big sign for us if you are amongst the truthful. This was their desire that they wanted him to bring this camel, pregnant she camel, so she appeared from the mountains. So he told them this is the sign that you wanted. Here it is. So Sayyidina Salih said to his people that here is that camel. So pregnant she camel had come out of a mountain pass. This was the sign that they asked for it. This is the sign that asked. So there is a portion of water for it to drink and a portion of uh, that it will have something to drink and you will also have, you or your animals will also have an appointed day or appointed portion.
to drink from. But do not touch it. Do not touch it at all. Wala tamasuha bisuin. Do not touch it with evil intentions to do it harm. Nor and if you if you do that, if you lest you do that, because if you do touch it with an intention, evil intention to cause it harm, fayakudhum adabu yomin adim, then the punishment of a ter- tremendous day will seize you. You will be seized with punishment on the tremendous day. However, fakaruha and they hamstrung it, mean they killed it. And then they grew, but later on, Fasbahuna Dimin, means in the morning they were regretful, means very soon and shortly thereafter they had remorse and regret. But then it was too late, Fa'akhazahum, then the punishment, Fa'akhazahumul Adab, the punishment overwhelmed them and seized them in the Fidalak and Ayah. Same thing, this is a big sign of this, however, Muslim won't believe. And indeed, your Rabb is almighty and is all powerful. What is the punishment that afflicted them? Uh, that punishment, we did it before, that came in Surah Araf and Surah Hud. From 160 onward is the community of Sayyidina Lut al-Islam. Again, كَذَّبَتْ Mursaleen That the people of Lut denied all of the messengers, meaning Lut al-Islam and the messengers that came before him. And they viewed all of them to be liars. Same thing, remember and recall how their brother Lut told them that will you not adopt taqwa? I'm indeed a reliable and trustworthy messenger to you, so fear the sponsor and obey me. I don't ask you any reward and recompense for this, but my reward and recompense will lie with the Rabbala Alameen. Then he said to them what was their problem, what was their particular sin that they did? Atatuna Zukrana min al That do you approach males leaving alone the mates that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would uh, so do you approach the males min al-alamin? You approach men of all kinds, right? Uh, and you leave casting aside and you leave those spouses and mates who your rub had created from you, means from the opposite gender. So what are you antum common adun? You're indeed an immoral and transgressing nation. Kalu. So they responded uh, to say that Lut al-Islam, what did they say? That لَإِن لَمْ تَنْتَهِ يَا لُوتُ That, O oh, Lut al-Islam, if you do not desist, if you do not stop, then what they will do, they will they will uh, مِنْ الْمُخْرَجِينَ You will be amongst the banished ones. So Sayyidina Lut al-Islam said that, look, I abhor your activity and what you do. And then he made dua to Allah subhanahu ta'ala Rabbi Najini wa Ahli Mimma Ya'malun that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala save me and save my family from what these people are doing. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that thus we then Fanajinahu wa ahlahu ajmain. Allah says so we delivered him into salvation, we rescued him and saved him and his ahl ajmain, all of them and all together. Illa except one old woman a Jewzan Filagabirin, one of the old women who is amongst us who tarried behind. And then we destroyed all of the rest. How That we sent down a hailstorm shower on them. And grievous is the shower that uh, evil indeed and tremendous of might was that rain of which they were forewarned. Same thing in the Fidalik and the Ayah, and this is a tremendous sign. But the vast majority of people still won't believe. But indeed, your Rabb is almighty and all merciful. 
So the people of Lutala Islam destroyers also passed, but the community of Sayyidina Lutala Islam was the very first to have engaged in this sin of sodomy or uh, of what they call homosexuality, right? And uh, Allah subhanahu has mentioned that three different punishments for them in Quran. Here Allah doesn't allude to that punishment in Surah Araf, Surah Namal, Surah Hijr, and Surah Hud. And what are those punishments? Number one is this, that Allah Ta'ala showered them with stones of rain, means hailstorm. And you can imagine that hailstorm can be like bullets, right? Each hair piece of hail can be like a bullet and it can travel like the speed of light. So imagine just millions of bullets falling down from the sky, right? That type of hailstorm. Second, Allah Ta'ala said around that their town was raised to the sky, flipped and crashed down again. And third, that shriek or that scream, that cataclysmic sound. So the Mufassirin have said that actually Allah Ta'ala sent all three punishments on them. That first they heard, their, well there's not necessarily Tartim, but they heard the shriek and then the hailstorm came and then they were lifted up and they were overturned and smashed back onto the earth. So three punishments for this community, whereas the other communities have had only one and this is one indication of the particularly heinous nature of their crime and so anybody who is guilty of committing the crime today is also it, they should reflect on how much punishment Allah Ta'ala sent to that community which initiated and perpetuated this crime next from verses 176 to 199 yet another prophet Sayyidina Shreyb Islam. Now Sayyidina was sent to two people the people of Midian and the people of uh, Eka. He's not from the people of Eka, he's from the people of Midian. So here one thing will be different. Allah Ta'ala won't use the word Ahuhum because he's not their brother because he's not from the people of Eka, he's from the people of Midian. That the people, the companions and the dwellers and the people of Eka denied the messengers. One when they denied Sayyidina Shwaib said that will you not adopt taqwa? Indeed I'm a Rasulun Amin, I'm a pious trustworthy messenger has been sent to you Fattakullaha, fear Allah subhanahu wa and obey me I don't ask you for any remuneration or reward from this my ajr is only with Rabbil Alameen what was their problem they were the people who were and wazinu bil qistas mustaqim so they were not just in their balance of measuring and weighing so you order one kilo a day you get 950 grams Remember, mu'mineen you don't want to do. Mu'mineen do not want to do what the kuffar are being described as doing. And this is a very standard thing. I remember we were in Jamia Shafia when I was in Sadasa, but one Darja below you, one of our teachers, Mu'ana Fiyazuddin, he asked one student who sold honey. He asked him, such And he lowered his head, he couldn't say no. He couldn't say no. He lowered his head in shame. Hmm? It's so widespread in Pakistan, right? Malawit is also this because you're selling it as one kg of honey but it's actually 800 grams of honey and 200 grams of I don't know what sugary syrup, right? So to be just in the measure and the weight, right? And not doing so was, this was just, this is relatively speaking to the homosexuality, this is a much minor sin in our uncle, right? Doesn't matter, they're sinning. Allah subhanahu wa didn't like it. Allah subhanahu wa sent them a nabi told them to desist from it. They denied that Nabi, Allah Ta'ala will send a punishment on them also. 
So this also is showing you different types of sin in different communities that Anbiya were sent to, but the overall message is a sin is a sin. You have to submit to the commandments of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, even if you think it's something as minor as this. So this story of the people uh, that Shaitan Shreya Islam was sent to is very important for us to remember and to remind others that there's no such thing as a minor sin. There's no uch needs, there's no unnis bis, right? There's a big difference. You have to be completely accurate in your kale and your wasn. Verse 183, don't withhold from people, don't deplete people's property, don't withhold from people what is due to them because you're not being just in your weight and measurement and don't spread fasad on this earth, don't spread sedition and corruption and anarchy on this earth. Fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who created you in all previous creations. Same answer, they said that you were just from the people who were bewitched. Same thing, you were just a human, just like us. And then they even said, but they taunted it one piece further, right? So cause a piece of the sky, faskit alayna, that you should uh, cause a piece of the sky to fall down upon us, if indeed you are from amongst the truthful people. Make a punishment come down upon us, right? So Sayyidina Shaib Islam he responded to them and said, Rabbi Atlamu Bimata Malun then my Rabb knows best what it is that you're doing. So they denied him, they falsified him, declared him to be a liar. Fa'akhazahum Adaba Yomidullah. That indeed a tremendous punishment of the day of the overshadowing canopy cloud struck them. In Nahukana Adaba Yomin Adim, it was indeed an agony and a tremendous punishment of a Tremendous, distressing day for them. Again, same thing in the Fidalik al-Ai. This is a big sign. But the vast majority will, vast majority will still not have Iman. Same thing that indeed your Rabb is almighty and is all merciful. Alright? What is this canopy and overshadowing canopy of cloud that struck them? The nature of their punishment was that Allah has written that Allah Ta'ala made uh, the day very hot for them so they all left their homes and they sheltered underneath the trees the Allah sent a big cloud to give them shade so they all went underneath that cloud which they took as a canopy or as a shade to escape the heat when they all gathered beneath the cloud then Allah struck them with a punishment from that cloud alright and some say that there were pieces of the sky that fell on them this is what they had asked for, right? Or pieces of the cloud that fell on them, but the cloud wasn't a cloud, it was something which was of much more intense. Allahu Akbar. But this was a punishment that was sent on them. Now here, Allah from 192 on, we're going to talk about Quran. Quran al-Karim. وَإِنَّهُ لَتَنْزِيلُ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ So in, then certainly and assuredly this yani Quran al-Kareem is a revelation from Rabbil Alameen, from the Rabb of the Alameen, from the Lord of the Worlds. Nazala bihir ruhul Amin, that the trustworthy spirit, yani Sayyidina Jibreel Islam, has descended and brought the Quran al-Kareem down. Ala qalbika on your heart, Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa so that you may become a herald and warn people of what is to come. So this shows that the wahi, the sabab of wahi, or the agent of wahi was Sayyidina Jibreel alayhi salam, but wahi is brought onto the qalb of the anbiya. 
So when Allah Ta'ala himself revealed Quran into the qalb, the heart of Sayyidina Rasulullah Wasallam, it should be our divine effort that the heart, Quran should enter into our heart. So the Quran is not something for aql. So people who try to explain Quran on the basis of aql, whether it's Sir Sayyidina Khan or others who try to follow him, people who give you aqli reasons, anybody who says to me that I like that person on TV because he talks about aql. Quran Quran has been revealed on the heart It's not something to be understood And analyzed and interpreted On the basis of mere intellect It is a book of the hearts For people of hearts So In a clear Arabic language In the Arabic language That is clear and you can say in the Arabic language that creates clarity, that is crystal clear, that lends itself to clarity in clear Arabic speech. <laughs> so indeed the Qur'an al-Kareem has been mentioned in earlier scriptures, right? So the previous scriptures all mention the coming of the last and final messenger, وسلم, and the Quran and uh, mention the last and final book, the Qur'an al-Kareem. And is it not a sufficient sign for them that the learned, the ulama of the Bani Israel, also have knowledge of it? What does this mean that the Bani Israel were, the ulama of the Bani Israel means the rabbis, let's say, right? And the mushrikeen of Makkah although they hadn't accepted Judaism and Christianity, but they had a lot of respect for the Ahli Kitab. And they had a lot of respect for the ulama of the Ahl Kitab. So Allah Ta'ala is saying that, look, the ulama of the Ahl Kitab have been told about this. They know about this. This has been foreshadowed, or the coming of the last Prophet and last scripture was predicted. That if we had revealed this Quran to any non Arab, right, that can be the first meaning of this, to some of the non Arabs, and had Fakara'ahu alayhim, had Sayyidina Rasulullah recited it to them, they would not have believed in it. They would not have been able to believe in it. What does this mean? So part of it is that one reason for the unbeliever to believe in Quran is the miracle of the Arabic language. And that's something the non-Arab wouldn't have been able to appreciate. So they couldn't have come to Iman for that reason. And that's the reason Allah Ta'ala invoked above Bilisan al-Arabiyyim Mubin. So saying that it's been revealed in Arabic. Oh, Arabs of Makkah Mukarramah. This Qur'an al-Kareem has been revealed in the clear Arabic language to make it clear to you that it is the truth. Alright? Kadalika. And just like that, in this manner, Salakna hu fi kudubil mujrimeen that we have uh, you can say that we have inscribed disbelief into the hearts of the believers. Right? That it's, it's been in their disbelief in it. La yu'minuna bihi hatta yaravul adhab al-adim. So this, their disbelieving in it is something that is embedded or been placed in to their hearts. That they won't believe it until they witness that painful punishment. Fayatiyuhum baghdatahum wahum la yish'urun. And that punishment will come to them all of a sudden in such a state that they will be completely unaware and will not be able to perceive it. Fayukulu wa then ma'udzai hal nahnu mandarun. And they will say that, is there any way we can be granted reprieve? Can we be granted respite? We can be granted a stay? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will ask, what is it that they want? Are they seeking to 
grant or repeat, uh, do they seek to hasten our punishment do you see that if we let them enjoy life if we were to allow them to enjoy life for a number of years then there comes upon them what was promised that punishment the enjoyment that they granted the enjoyment that what they have been allowed to enjoy will be of no avail to them what does it mean that let's say we grant them a respite for a few years it won't change them we just delay it by five years and they will enjoy life for five more years and then the promised punishment will come to them. So what they had been allowed to enjoy will be of no avail to them means it will have had no benefit for them. But then Allah SWT mentions his rule وَمَا أَحْلَقْنَا مِنْ قَرْيَةٍ إِلَّا لَهَا مُنْذِرُونَ That we never ever sent our punishment and destroyed a population or community until we had sent our Warners to them, meaning we sent Anbiya and Mursaleen to them. Dhikra, we sent them as warners and to advise and to counsel. And Allah says, we never unjustly punish anyone. People earn and deserve that punishment first and get chance after chance to repent and they refuse time after time and only ultimately, penultimately, at the end then, does the punishment overwhelm them. وَمَا تَنَزَّلَتْ بِهِ الشَّيَاطِينَ Okay, and the shayateen uh, do not come down. Uh, the shayateen have not brought this Qur'an al-Kareem down. So there is some incident over here. Alright. Uh, this is coming a little bit in the end. But some of the unbelievers... They felt that they tried to say that Nabi Yudhan had captured a jinn, right? Uh, and this is coming in verse 221. Maybe I'll just explain it there. This is a precursor to that. Um, but they used to suggest that Nabi Yudhan had captured a jinn and it was some jinn who was telling him the Qur'an al-Kareem, the recitation, right? Um, so back to 2.11 The Allah says it is not fitting for them It does not befit the shayateen to be able to recite Quran Bring it down and recite it Nor do they have Nor do they have that capability or ability to do so And In fact they even be forbidden and stopped And cut off from even hearing or listening To the revelation and recitation of Quran Right Verses 2.13, Allah Subhanahu continues with the disbelievers. And do not call, make dua and call to any other God except for Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you will be amongst those who are punished. And you should warn your closest relatives. This also shows that those who are closest relatives, we should want to warn them. Right? Which means we should not neglect our family. And we should love for ourselves what we, we should love for our family, what we love for ourselves. We should share that warning with the close relatives. And the Prophet and Allah SWT says here, So here, first and foremost, Allah is addressing the Prophet the Yanabiyakrim Sassam literally means lower your wing of humility to each and every one who follows you from the Mu'minin. Right? فَإِنْ أَصَوْكَ And if they disobey you, 
فَقُلْدْ And what should you declare to them? You should say, إِنِّي بَرِيْءٌ بِمَا تَعْمَنُونَ Then I am innocent and exonerated from everything that you do. وَتَوَكَّلْ عَلَى الْعَزِيزِ الرَّحِيمِ And you should have tawakkal on that same Al-Azizi Al-Rahim, Allah Al-Azizi Al-Rahim, Almighty Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, All-Mercy, Giving Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, That Allah Ta'ala who sees you just as you are, as how you stand, وَتَكَلَّبَكَ فِي السَّاجِدِينَ And that Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala in the company of when your fee means sees your movements when you're amongst the sajineen amongst the people who do sajda innahu huwa samiul alim indeed allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is he who is all hearing and all knowing all right now what happened was that warn your closest relatives so when sayyidina rasulullah received this verse he climbed up the mount or the hill of safa and he started calling openly the various tribes of Quraysh because those were his relatives. And then he asked them that, Oh my Quraysh, would you believe me if I told you that behind this hill was an army of horsemen that is coming to attack? And they said, Yes, we will certainly believe you. We have never known you to be untruthful. You are a sadiqul amin. Means he got them to say that we will believe in the ghayb. If you say it's true, we will have iman bil ghayb. Right? And that's how he was. That was really generally his standing among the people of Quraysh. So then he told them, then listen, now I'm warning you of a severe punishment to those who will not accept tawheed and belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and belief in deen. But then Abu Lahab then, and it was about to have an effect on the people. So Abu Lahab, before his deposit words, the effect of those words could linger and permeate into the hearts. Abu Lahab said that may you be destroyed forever. You called us just for this. And you know, and this is also, I tell you, the interrupter, right? So when something is happening and somebody all of a sudden interrupts and interjects and they stop the flow. So Nabi Yaqimzam was trying to reach out to his community, but Abu Lahab's single act of interjection made everybody forget and then they scattered and they went back into their homes. But this is the way Sayyidina Rasulullah did amal on this ayah where Allah Ta'ala said that you should call your close relatives, warn your close relatives, verse number 214 Alright If uh, they disobey you So this is the command of Bism To be humble to the believers And certainly anybody who is even remotely familiar With the Sira or the Hadith Will see how much love and humility Sayyidina Rasulullah Had for the Mu'mineen if they disobey you, if in any sense, right, now this is not referring to Sahaba Ikram, right? This is referring to you and me. This is a scary verse for us, right? It's not Sahaba Ikram are going to disobey. They never disobeyed Sayyidina Rasulullah so he never said this. Any Sahaba Kisat, Nabi Karim Sam ko is Jumla Kanaki nobat ni ay inni barium mimata manun. Marasata sata. Right? If we disobey the Prophet if we refuse his teachings, we don't follow his sunnah, he may say he's buddy of us and everything that we do. He may disown us on the Day of Judgment. If we disown his seerah and sunnah in this world, we are at risk that he will disown our lives and our deeds on the Day of Judgment. But if we adopt his seerah and sunnah in this world, then we're hopeful he will claim us on the day of judgment with his shifa'ah and intercede on our behalf with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Alright? 
So Nabi Yusuf's life and his legacy is a humility and that he opened it up for the believers and told Umm Aisha to say everything that happens in the home and let everyone know. Every single aspect of his life is preserved. But if we don't follow it and adopt it, then we are uh, in danger that this is what the Prophet would tell us on the Day of Judgment. Now verses 221 onwards, so that incident, so again I told you there was an allegation that one of the jinn of the shayateen was actually the one who was bringing down Qur'an al-Kareem. So that's what Allah Ta'ala had tried to answer earlier, that it doesn't befit them that they could bring down Qur'an. In fact, they have been forbidden from even listening to Qur'an. And here in 221, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala says that, Should I not inform you, shall I not inform you about... Uh, those on whom the shayateen descend Who do they descend? That they descend upon every lying, slandering sinner That's who they descend upon Right? And the shayateen Listen to them uh, these, these lying sinners Listen to the shayateen Even the most of those shayateen are Liars, right? So uh, the shayateen have been prevented from signing revelation, but they descend upon every liar. Now, you know, you may take this to mean many different things, uh, but if ever a person, uh, I don't want to get into that, right? Let's just say, okay, nobody should become a, a falcon a theme. Nobody wants to be a slanderous and lying sinner. This could be the least of your problems that the shayateen would descend on you. The real problem that a person would have if they were a lying sinner is that they would have to face Allah subhanahu wa on the Day of Judgment. Now comes finally, finally, finally in almost the third, second, third, fourth, last verse of the, this surah, the word upon which this surah is named was shu'ara'u means the poets, right? and the poets only those who are deviant follow the poets now what is this talking about is this a condemnation of all poetry no this was first of all uh, a response to the mushrikeen number one that the Prophet is a poet and Allah Ta'ala is saying here no the deviant follow poets the pious follow the prophets and the Prophet is a prophet if he had been a poet, you would be following him because you are deviant. This is what the Allah was saying. First point. That they would claim that the Prophet was just... That was one of their allegations, just poetry. So he knows the deviant who follow poetry and it's the pious who follow prophets. Second, that poets say things that are fictional. Right? They can make up things or things that are partially true, partially fictional. And in Quran is haq. Wahi is haq. The anbiya speak from haq. There's no exaggeration, no embellishment, no poetic license. So there's no prophetic license. That's what the Prophet says that I don't speak. He doesn't speak from his own uh, whims and desires. So there's no prophetic license. That's the second difference. Third is that by shu'ara here it means you can say like uh, seducing poets. Storytellers and poets who seduce people in, by weaving tales of fantasy and fiction and embellishment and exaggeration and allure. So you see that today, right? People get hooked onto 
fantasy novels and science fiction and they just go deep into it and they enter mythical worlds of fantasy realms that they create for themselves, right? So they get sucked into it. Uh, that's another aspect of here. It doesn't mean, this verse does not mean that poetry is uh, haram in Islam because one of the great Sahaba, Sayyidina Hassan ibn Thabit who was a poet and he actually used to recite poetry in Masjid Nabawi, in Medina Manawara, in the praise of Sayyidina Rasulullah Wasallam. So poetry itself, in of itself, or all poetry, that is not uh, haram. Sayyidina Rasulullah said in Sahih Muslim, Sayyidina Rasulullah in Sahih Muslim, Sayyidina Rasulullah addressed the same, Sayyidina Hassan ibn Thabit said, that as long as you defend Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and Sayyidina Rasulullah Jibreel will always be in your company. So it means that this was poetry, this is religious poetry, poetry praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, poetry praising the Prophet So that type of poetry, we popularly call hamd and naat, that is not just jaiz or allowed in our deen, that is mustahab and mandub and recommended in the sunnah of Nabi Kareem sallallahu But you have to make sure that there is no words or wordings in that poetry that, go, that are contain any shirk. So again, it is established from Sahih Hadith that poetry was recited in the masjid, Masjid Nabi Madinah Manawra, and that the poet who recited it, Sahaba Sayyidina Hassan ibn Thabit, Thabit and that Sayyidina Rasulullah told them that as long as the poetry is in the defense of Allah, I mean, obviously Allah does not need defense, but it means praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, glorifying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right, in the himaya of belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and belief in Sayyidina Rasulullah that that poetry carries so much suwab in it, that the angel Jibreel remains at the side of Sayyidina Hassan ibn Thabit, when he recites that poetry. And in fact, in a hadith in Bukhari, Sayyidina Rasulullah had a special member built for Sayyidina Hassan ibn Thabit, where he used to, from which he used to sit and recite uh, this poetry about deen. Now, again, this is another area where you can use the understanding of moderation. Everything should be done with a certain amount of moderation. It should not be that you res- never recite Quran and you always recite poetry. It should not be that you never listen to Quran and you always listen to poetry. It shouldn't be that you have ten Naat cassettes in your car and you have zero cassettes of Quran. There has to be a balance, right? There has to be a balance. And you should try that the Quran Akram should move you to emotions and tears as much as Hamd and Naat moves you. But again, Hamd and Naat are 100% Jais in Deen. They're actually Mustahab in Deen. It's Jais in Masjid. It's Mustahab in Masjid. As long as there was no Israf. And as long as everything is given its proper maqam and place. Right? Nothing is placed above something which is above it. So here we end Surah. Surah Al-Shu'ara. And next is Surah Al-Namal. Surah Al-Namal. Surah number 27. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم طاسين تلك آيات القرآن تلك آيات القرآن وكتاب مبين Here Spantala now has combined two things in this first ayah حروف المقطعات and also some words طاسين These are the ayat, these are the verses of revelation of Quran 
Mubin, and this is the clear and clarifying book, It is a book of Hidayah, and it is a Bushra, it is a book of glad tidings and good news for the believers. Which believers? Those believers who regularly establish the prayer, and offer the zakah, and they have absolute yakin in the akhirah. As for those who don't, as for those who do not believe in the hereafter, we have beautified their deeds for them, so that they wander astray. Now this is a very important point, that what happens in this world, right? So, Quran al-Karim is going to be beautified and be viewed as beautiful to the believers who will want to do what Allah Ta'ala mentions in Quran but the people who don't believe in Akhirah now here's interesting Allah Ta'ala didn't say Mushrikeen Allah Ta'ala didn't say Kufar didn't say people who don't believe in Him people la yu'minuna bil Akhirah and this is in contrast to the believers وَهُمْ بِالْآخِرَةِهُمْ يُقِنُونَ so this could even mean for somebody who doesn't have yaqeen in Akhirah by yaqeen in Akhirah means that yes strictly speaking their aqidah is that there is an Akhirah but they don't think like that they don't act like that it's not really part of their consciousness their awareness their mentality actually they live in this world as if they will live here alone they forget the Akhirah so what happens then, either to a person like that, or all the way up to outright a denier of even the existence of an akhirah, lahum a'maluhum, fahum zayyanna lahum a'maluhum. Allah Ta'ala says that we will make their deeds beautiful for them. means whatever they do, they think that that is right. Their ideas will be made beautiful looking to them, their actions will be beautiful looking to them. They won't think they're doing anything wrong. They won't view that they're doing anything wrong. They will sin and they won't view it to be a sin. Again, now, where do we find this? If yes, certainly this could be found amongst unbelievers. We find this amongst non-practicing believers also. We find the same attitude. That whatever they do, they think they're doing correctly. And then, for whom ya'mahul means so they wander around blindly, they rove around astray. أُولَيْكَ الَّذِينَ لَهُمْ سُوءُ الْأَذَابِ Alright? So again, if you take it ultimately at the level of kufr, then these are those people who will have the most severe, worst, ter- most terrible punishment. And they will be the worst losers in the state of ultimate loss in the akhirah. And as far as you, that you have been given the Qur'an al-Kareem from that being who is al-Hakim, al-Halim from that being who is all-wise and all-knowledgeable the Qur'an al-Kareem has been dispatched to you from the being who is all-wise and all-knowing alright so the Qur'an al-Kareem has guidance for everyone but it is a special guidance and bushra for the people of belief now, verses 7 onwards, we can do quickly because we've just done this with Qala Musa al-Ahlihi. So when Sayyidina Musa al-Islam told his family, I mean, this is the other part of the story, but we had done this a few days ago, that he said to his family that it seems that I see a fire, right? I perceive a fire. I will shortly bring you some information from it. 
uh, some news or a piece of that fire, a flaming fire, so that you may get warm, you may warm yourselves. But when he reached the fire, a call rang out. And what did he hear? Nudia, a call rang out, or it was called out to him. Nudia, amburika man finnari, woman holaha. That blessed is the one who is by in the fire and the one who is in the vicinity or near the fire. And glory is to Allah subhanahu the Rabb of Allah the Mean. Ya Musa innahu anallahul azizul hakim. That O Musa is salam innahu ana. That indeed it is I, I am Allah subhanahu wa al azizul hakim, the Almighty, the All Wise. Walaki asaka, so therefore toss your staff. Then Musa is tossed the staff. Then Falamma Ra'aha Then he saw that his wrath was wriggling around As if wriggling around like a serpent And he stepped back He retreated on his heels Ya Musa Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told him La takhaf that don't fear Inni la yakhafu ladayya al-mursaloon Indeed the messengers They have no need to fear They have no fear of me Or in my presence Illa man zalama thumma bandala husna Except for that person who had done wrong, but then they replaced their bad with good, their chains are evil into good. Then fa'inni ghafoorur rahim. Then indeed I am very forgiving, all forgiving, all merciful. Then he told them that to put your hand on your chest or your collar, fijaybikar in your armpit, takhruj beza and then it will come out all white, min without any taint, without any. You can say without any taint. Fitis e ayatin, and there are nine miracles, nine signs or miracles, ila fir'aun, ila fir'aun wa qawmihi, that you will take to fir'aun and to his community. These are two of the nine signs. One is the staff, and one is the whiteness of the hands. In whom kanu qawman fasikin, indeed fir'aun's community is a immoral and disobedient and sinning people. And then indeed when our signs, clear signs came to them to make them see, what did they say? Kalu hadha sihrul mubin. They instead said that this is clear magic and witchcraft. And then they denied it and they rejected these signs. And they did so in such it was and arrogantly and ignorantly and arrogantly. Even though deep down their souls were convinced about and convinced and certain about the reality of the sign. And then you should see and gaze and wonder at what at the outcome of the immoral and unjust people shall be. Alright, so this part of the story of Sayyidina Musa Islam we had done earlier, that he saw what he thought was a fire, but it was actually at the Jalli of Allah SWT. Allah Ta'ala inspired him with his revelation. And it's here where Allah Ta'ala announces to him that he is a Nabi when Allah Ta'ala says, Inni la yakhafu al mursaloon that indeed the mursaloon, the ones who are messengers, rusul, anbiya, they have no fear when they are ladayya in the presence of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Now here Sayyidina Musa was not transported to some place that you would physically call the presence of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Here by presence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah means that he was addressed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the vicinity of a tajalli of Allah ta'ala that he had emanated. Those of you who are here in Surah Nur can understand that Allah ta'ala's own Nur is something else, but his Nur emanates and illuminates things and that is called the tajalli. 
right? So somebody who is illuminated by the nur of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is being described here as if he is in the presence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is why some of the ulama, some of the ulama have said that some of the statements of the awliya that we are in the presence of Allah are mistakenly interpreted by people to think that we are inside Allah Ta'ala or we are one with Allah Subhanahu they didn't mean that they meant that they are in the presence of Allah Ta'ala in the same way that Sayyidina Musa was in the presence of Allah Ta'ala on earth that Sayyidina Musa was receiving this wahi and kalam from Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala and that Wali was feeling some qurb or ilham from Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala so presence does not mean that the incarnation or khulul or ittihad or they become one with Allah or any physicality thing but it's an indication of a type of extreme korb alright the other day I mentioned to you what those nine signs were so we'll just do one more passage so at least we can do the passage about which the surah is named and so that is from verses 15 to 19 where the is talking about Sayyidina Dawud and his son Suleiman Laysam ilma and indeed we bestowed knowledge upon Sayyidina Dawud Laysam Sayyidina Suleiman Laysam waqala and so the two of them used to say alhamdulillahilladhi fadlalana ala kathiran min ibadihil mu'mineen so all praise belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who has favored us and specially honored us over a vast majority of his righteous, devout, worshipful servants and slaves from the believers. Then Sulaiman as the son, he is going to succeed Daud But what is the Sulaiman Dauda? Sulaiman inherits the kingdom and then inherits also the mantleship of being the Nabi Zaman from Sayyidina Daud and then what does he tell people? Waqala Ya Ayuhannas. So Sayyidina Sulaiman told that, O oh people, Ullim now that we have been taught Mantegutair, the speech of the birds. And this is yes, literally speaking, Sayyidina Sulaiman knew the language and speech of the birds, could understand and converse with them. And we have been granted every single thing. Now this is another place, famous ayah that is used in Quran to explain to people that not everything in Quran is absolutely literal. Because if you say, وَأُوتِنَا مِنْ كُلِّ شَيْءٍ That Sayyidina was giving every single thing. He wasn't given every single thing. He didn't have an iPad. Right? He was not given every single thing. So what does it mean that he was given from the vast majority of things? So this is what in Arabic linguistics they say that if there's if something there's a great amount sometimes you use the word kul in Arabic to refer to it so it's been given an incredibly great number of things that indeed this is a fadl from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so here's his humility he's saying this is not something that I deserve or something I earned or something that I acquired but it's just from the fadl the karam yani from the benefit from the bounty and blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and mubin and is clear and manifest and so this is something we had done earlier a few days ago that Sulaiman had uh, the jinn were under his command and they could construct things for him and etc. So in this particular case, Sulaiman has formed an army. So it says, yes, the earlier Anbiya, and we did that for you also, that all of the earlier Anbiya were given this command for jihad, 
right? So Sayyidina Sulaiman his army, and his army and troops consist of troops from the jinn of Insan and Wattari and birds, Fahum Yuzaun. So, and the, the, this army of Sulaiman was uh, marshaled for him in, or, uh, in ranks that were or, orderly ranks, let's put it that way. Yuzaun, an orderly ranks because of their massive size. And so they're marching in this orderly way, this massive army. So here comes the word, it means ants. So until they reached a valley of ants. That doesn't mean that there were ants running around the entire valley. It would be a valley in which many ants lived. Okay? So when they reached this valley of ants, then what happened? So one particular ant, uh, and you could say one female ant, said to all of her fellow ants, that each of you should enter into your homes, your nests, your anthills, your antholes. Why? Because Lest Sulaiman himself and his troops and his army trample over you, crush you, and they're unaware of that without realizing that. So, because Sulaiman not just the speech of birds, but he was also endowed with the ability to understand the speech of animals, so he heard this way off distant in this female ant telling her fellow ants to quickly crawl back into your holes. So, for tabassama dhahikan, tabassam means to smile, dhahikan means to sleep, so he smiled laughingly. This is the proper way because Zahikan is hal. So he smiled laughingly at her statement, at her words. And then he said to Allah and again this is the way of all of the Anbiya and the rightful followers of the Anbiya that every small thing in life becomes a mean for them to turn to Allah Remember Allah So he turned to Allah and said Rabbi, awzi'ni an ashkura ni'mataka allati an amta alayya wa ala walidayya wa an a'mala salihan tarzahu wa an khilni bi rahmatika fi ibadika salihin that oh Allah subhanahu ta'ala always keep me on keep me steadfast on what? an ashkura that I am always grateful ni'mataka for your bounty your blessing your grace allati anamta alayha that you have conferred upon me wa ala walidayya and that you conferred and bestowed upon my parents so this is a dua again this is a dua surah namal surah 27 verse 19 duas of the anbiya that we should learn and use and learn how to feel and pray from our heart so first dua shukr Shukr for the blessings Allah Ta'ala has given and blessings Allah Ta'ala has given on the parents. And then what is the manifestation of that shukr? Shukr doesn't just mean a feeling of thanks. There's going to be izhar of that shukr. Wa salihan That Allah Ta'ala, I beg you Allah Ta'ala to enable me to do such a pious deed, such a good deed, tarzahu, that that deed pleases you, that you will be pleased with me. And I ask you, that you include me and admit me and join me and make me one of your righteous servants and slaves. Right? And that can be understood to be making dua to enter into Jannah. And that can also mean to make me amongst the righteous servants and slaves in this world. So a few comments on these verses and then we'll call it a day. 
the first verse 15 that we bestowed Ilman Sulaiman Laysam and Dawud Laysam that we did for you before that Dawud Laysam was given the knowledge of iron to make armor and Sayyid Sulaiman Laysam was given this knowledge of speech and that uh, he controlled the jinn uh, Sulaiman Laysam's army uh, of jinn, men, and birds. One reason why this is met with the relative between us that they are marching in such a massive size and orderly ranks means that even if Sulaiman wanted to, he wouldn't be able to stop them from trampling the ants because such a massive army you cannot control what they walk over. It was inevitable that the ants would have been trampled. And obviously an ant, because they live in the ground, they can feel the reverberations of the ground so they could feel the reverberations of the marching of his army from far away and then she realized and then she told her fellow ants and this has been her and this is the Mufassir and explain it this way that the khair khahi or the nasiha or the well-wishing of an ant for her fellow ants was so beloved to a Nabi of Allah Sallallahu and then so beloved to Allah Subhanahu he put mention of it in Quran then so beloved to Allah Ta'ala that he made a whole surah named after the ants in Quran. So then imagine how beloved to Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala a human will be if a human becomes the well-wisher of their fellow human being. Right? So this is what, this, the purpose of this story is to teach us that. That we should be the well-wishers of one another, giving good advice to one another, giving good counsel of one another, wanting to protect and help one another. Then because of this, and in Ardeen there are some ahkam pertaining to ants that Nabi Akram mentioned in hadith, so I will just share them with you. Once Nabi Akram mentioned uh, that, and this is hadith in Bukhari, but the Nabi, he mentioned about a certain Nabi, who he doesn't mention the name, that there was a particular Nabi, and an ant bit that Nabi. So that Nabi then instructed that the whole ant farm or ant hill should be burnt. And then when he did that, Allah subhanahu wa sent revelation to him when he instructed it. When he did that, Allah sent revelation to him saying that on a single ant biting you, you ended up burning an entire community of creatures who glorify me. So from that hadith in Bukhari, we learned that all of the ants, and we learned early in the Quran that everything in this world anyway, but there are some special creatures like birds is also a special one. So the tasbih of the birds has a special dini significance and the tasbih of the ants has a special dini significance. Once one of the Sahaba, they also burnt an ant hill. So walked, he saw it and then he asked the Sahaba that I want to know which ones burnt it. So the ones who did, they confessed and the Prophet said that only the rub of fire can inflict fire. And from this it was learnt the fuqaha, the jurist took out the hukam from this hadith that it's not permissible to burn ants or it's not permissible to burn anything to death, right? So it's not permissible to burn an ant. Secondly, it's impermissible to kill an ant unnecessarily. Sayyidina Abdullah bin Abbas narrates that ants and bees, that the Prophet said that ants and bees are from the creatures of Allah subhanahu wa and you are prohibited from killing them unnecessarily, right? What does that mean? So if they're harmful ones, such as the mosquito, 
you're allowed to kill a mosquito because that's another hadith of the Prophet that you should kill the harmful insect or animal before it has the ability to harm you but if there is an ant or so maybe there is there is a type of bee also that's harmful right so that stings people right but if there are ants and insects that are not harmful you're not allowed to kill them now for some people this is very difficult to do amalan sometimes also people are walking so if an ant comes and you can flick it away but you should try not to kill it but you will realize if you've ever flicked it away that sometimes it kind of walks a bit limp after you did it to that so you should try in a more gentle way to move it away from you right and uh, certainly mosquitoes are harmful jutia small ants are not harmful cockroaches are up for debate <laughs> right whether they're harmful or not but certainly many of us and certainly all of the community upstairs would want to be given the fatwa that they can kill the cockroaches right but this much is that you cannot burn them not to show you contemporary fatwa you know they have that thing for the flies right which is electrocuting so it burns them to a crisp so actually some contemporary ulama said that's not jayas except for the mosquito some have said that's not even jayas for the mosquito because even though you're allowed to kill a mosquito you should still not kill it by burning because of these words of the Prophet that it only befits rabbun nar to inflict punishment and death with nar so even if we are allowed to kill a mosquito better that we should not burn it alright so these were some rulings that came of ants so I mean the next time you see an ant you should look at it differently you should say that this is that ant who is part of that community who maybe is a descendant of that ant An-Namlatu who has been honored by Allah Subhanahu in Surah An-Naml alright Allah Wa'akhran that one Alhamdulillah Maybe we are left here at Surah An-Naml Surah 27 verse 20 which we will resume inshallah we'll conclude Inshallah ta'ala tomorrow. Not much left, but I know when to stop. Subhanahu rabbi ala wahab Allahumma salli ala sayyidina Muhammad wa ala ala sayyidina Muhammad wa barik wa sallim. Rabbana zalamna anfusana wa illam takfir lana wa tarhamna lanakunanna minat khasirin. Ya Allah, we ask that you enable us to have iman in all of the anbiya. Ya Allah, whatever morals and lessons you want us to learn from all of their stories in Quran, Ya Allah, we ask that you place all of those teachings in our heart, all of those morals in our heart, all of those lessons and feelings in our heart. And Ya Allah, Ya Bikrin, we ask that you give us tawfiq to call upon you in the way that they made dua to you, to use their words and phrases that are so beloved to you. And Ya Allah, Ya Bikrin, we ask that you make us amongst Ibad al-Rahman. Ya al-Rahman, adkhilna min Ibad al-Rahman, waj'alna min Ibad al-Rahman. Ya Allah, grant us all of the attributes that you mention of the Ibad al-Rahman. And first and foremost, Ya Allah, make us amongst us tawabin. Accept our tawbah on this state of fasting in this month of Ramadan, in this month of your mercy. Ya Allah, we make tawbah of all of the sayyat that we ever did. Ya Allah, we make niyat that we want to become a person of 
amale salih that we renew our iman ya la change all of our sayyat into hasanat ya rabbikring change all of our bad deeds into good deeds in the barakah of your mercy in the barakah of this month of ramadan ya allah ya rahman rabbana takabbal minna innaka antas samiul alim wa tub alayna innaka antat tawwabur rahim wa sallallahu ta'ala ala habibihi sayyidina muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in bi rahmatika ya arhamar rahimin amen